For me, it began in 1992 with an ending. I was five years old and happened upon a comic shop advertising the death of Superman in its window display. From that moment forward, the Man of Steel has been my favorite character. And now on this podcast, I'm exploring my fandom and examining the creative visions that have shaped the last son of Krypton across media for over 80 years. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. This episode is called Justice for Zack Snyder's Superman. We're going to be speaking about Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. And I'm very excited to welcome my guest, our first returning guest, actually. Uh, he was on the premiere and he's back again now, comic book artist V. Ken Marion. Welcome. Hey, what's up, Anthony? How's it going? Thanks for having me back. My pleasure. I'm so glad that uh, you were excited to do this episode. And that's actually kind of where I want to start, because I'm curious, as a fellow Zack Snyder fan, uh, what has the experience been <laughs> as someone who, who has enjoyed his take on the characters? Because I feel like that's not something that's always shared. Obviously, there are the, there are the devoted you know, group, but uh, I know there are a lot of others who don't feel the same way. So is your fandom something that you, uh, you share proudly, or is it something that you've kind of kept a, kept a little bit on the quiet side? Yeah, I, I, I like I, I let people know like when we talk about these movies. Like I feel like I'm always standing up for Zack Snyder and you know the different uh, like like the different movies that came out and you know Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, and and even Justice League to a certain degree. But as time's gone on, I've kind of liked that one a little bit less and less, you know. Um, but yeah, I I've pretty much not shied away from it. I I, I don't like I don't understand why. I mean, I do understand why they're controversial, but at the same degree, I kind of don't, especially after just rewatching the movies. Like, so it would be interesting to dive into this. Yeah, I'm with you. And I know you texted me a couple of times when you were uh, in the process of your rewatch. You texted me, uh, I think, during Man of Steel, and you said you had a lot of thoughts. And I know you texted me uh, at some point in the Batman v Superman process, because I know that one you had to split up, right? Because that's, we're talking about the yeah. ultimate edition here, three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's, uh, movies are long, man. That, that, if I was going to say, I, I don't think either of them are, they're far from perfect, right? Um, but I think my biggest, I guess, gripe, if, if, if that's a word to use, is that I think they're just a little too long. And I think that with Justice League coming out being the four hours, but they're going to be like, hour-long installments. Did you hear about that? Yes. The Snyder Cut's going to be four episodes. I think that's going to work in his favor a lot because, like, I think he's got a lot of story that he wants to tell, but just watching it in one go like that, it's uh, it's kind of tough. <laughs> so, yeah, Batman vs. Superman was a, was a multi-watching experience for me. So Multi-sitting. I, I hear you. I actually did it in one sitting, but it was a lot. I mean, it's, all, it's a dense movie. It's a lot of movie. Uh, but I really did enjoy it. Uh, and, and honestly, the rewatch experience for both uh, was really interesting. And I, I guess that would be one of my, my first questions for you, too. I mean, there's a lot that we'll unpack, but just like big picture, what was the overall like gut response to rewatching these two movies for you? Okay, so the overall gut response... Uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of deep, so it's not like a surface a surface level kind of a analysis of it. But the gut response was that I think Zack Snyder is like an artist, you know what I mean, like 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 a true artist, and that those movies are art. And I think one of the reasons why they're not they are divisive is because I don't think a lot of people go into superhero movies looking for an artistic vision take on the character, right? 
Um, but that, that's, that was like my big takeaway from it was that I think that he was doing something like a very personal artistic statement that, that a lot of people just didn't jive with his take, you know? So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's where I came down from it. Um, but like, yeah, I, but overall I liked him. I thought Man of Steel had like some weird editing in it. Um, but we'll talk about that later. We get more into it, but, um, but overall I like, I like the take of on his take on Superman and, and I like Christopher Reeve's take, or Henry Cavill's take on Superman. And I think that they, they're not as dark and um, depressing as people try to make them out to be, I think. I think that there is a lot more classic comic bookness in there. And we'll talk about that later too. But I think they are very, very true to the comic books in a lot of ways, actually. So, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, I'll say right at, right at the top here that... And I know that these movies were controversial. Um, you know, we can talk about the first time that we uh, experienced these movies because I, I can share that, you know, my reaction to both movies, the first time I saw each of them was a little bit mixed. It didn't quite line up to the expectations that I had. And I think that was true for, for a lot of people. Um, so, and you know, if anyone's out there saying, listen, these movies are just not for me. I just don't like this take on the character. You know, that's fine. Like, I'm not necessarily here you know, to try to, you know, change anyone's mind, right? Like not everyone is going to like everything. So, you know, if these movies Agreed. just aren't your cup of tea, that's perfectly fine. But sort of my, my thesis, I guess, for, uh, for this episode as, as we discuss here is that I genuinely feel that uh, what Snyder did was a valid take on the character. It's not the same as what Richard Donner and Christopher Reeve did. And I'm not saying it's better or worse. They're just different, and I feel like there's room for both. And so with Snyder here, we have someone who positioned Clark and the rest of these characters in, quote-unquote, the real world, in a more grounded setting in modern times. And, you know, so much of the movie, of course, hinges on Clark's relationship with the world. What is he going to be to the world, for the world, and how is the world going to receive him and view him? And I feel like that's a perfectly valid take, and if that's the take, if you are setting the story in this more more grounded, more real-world setting, then I do really feel very strongly that the choices that he made and the journey that he took Clark on were the appropriate cho choices that it tracked. So, again, like I said, if, if people just don't dig the take, like, that's fine, and I get that, but I think it is a valid take. I think there's room for both, and I think that, uh, again, the choices that he made were, were right, and there were a lot of interesting choices, too, and there was a lot of stuff that... I don't know that I fully either picked up on or fully appreciated the first time or two that I watched the movie, but there was stuff that as I was watching this time that like really hit home uh, for me. Dude, I agree hundred percent. And I got this, this vibe when I was watching it, um, not so much of Man of Steel, but definitely Batman versus Superman that it felt to me very much like, like, I mean, line for line, dialogue for dialogue, beat for beat. I could have seen that as an arc in like a Superman Batman comic book. You know what I mean? Like, it felt, and, and I don't think, like, I would have had a problem with it. Like, it felt very much like a a story that could have been in the comic books, like, by, like, Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis, right? Like, it, to me, like, it felt like, a, like a, a comic like that, that was a story that was not, like, like, holding to the status quo, right? Like, you know how when we read story arcs in comics, they're, they're always putting the characters through different situations and different paces, right? But then when we go to movies the expectation is almost that like they're the status quo, you know, 
Spider-Man like is in high school and he meets Mary Jane. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like kind of like the overall trope is what people expect. And Batman versus Superman in particular felt very much like a, a totally valid, legit story arc from a comic book. But then, but wasn't adhering to like the status quos of, of what those characters are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it felt very similar to me. It's like the, the Superman books I was reading in the early 2000s, like the For Tomorrow, the Brian Azzarello one, or, or like that McGinnis, um, Jeff Loeb stuff. So like, I, like, so, so on one hand, like I, I don't really understand why people butted up against it so much, especially comic fans. But on, on the second hand, like where like, quote unquote, like not come, like, you know, like the, the, the normal people that don't like comics, you know, just like the average the average people going to the theater, like I get why they bristled up against it because, you know, it, it didn't hold true to those like status quo kind of like things, you know, um, or like archetypes, I guess, you know, it wasn't like Superman here, he just saves the day and that's it. Like they, they definitely brought in more of the, like you said, the real world and, and more nuance to the plot. Like it's very plot driven. I agree with that, especially as far as it being plot driven, Definitely Batman v Superman. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of plot there. Uh, and again, even more so in the Ultimate Edition. Man of Steel, I felt like, had, uh, you know, had some more room to breathe, you know, and you got to, you know, follow Clark on his journey more. You know, again, Batman v Superman really had an awful lot of, you know, uh, of ground to cover. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, to your to your point, and I, you had hit on this earlier too, that even though, you know, yes, this was, a different take on the character, especially compared obviously to what we had seen on screen before. Um, But I I agree with you that it 100% to me, at least still maintained the essence of the character. And it's funny to me too, as far as just this whole idea of doing something different. And this doesn't have to do with, I'm not even comparing it to the comics, but uh, what was the prior Superman movie that we had? Superman returns, right? I don't know what's going on in white plains over there. (laughs) Yeah. It's quite Sorry. all. That's quite all We're right. We're high up too. We're high up, so I don't know how you can hear that. But, <laughs> but, but so with Superman Returns, right? We had an instance, and I'll, I'm going to cover Superman Returns on the podcast down the line because I I'm curious to kind of give that a second look after after all this time. But you know, with Superman Returns, you had a, a director who crafted a movie that was so beholden to the Richard Donner, Christopher Reeve vision of the character. I mean, the same Mm -hmm. music cues. They found, you know, unused footage of Marlon Brando, Brandon Routh, who I love. But, you know, that was a performance Mm -hmm. that was very much in the vein of what Christopher Reeve had done. Um, It was a movie where, yeah. I I actually don't think it was. No? No, because remember we talked before about how, like, Christopher Reeve had this kind of, like, cool Mm -hmm. swagger to him? Brandon Routh didn't have any of that. And I, I don't think it's him because... He's really good on other stuff I've seen. I think it was the direction they were giving him was this very somber direct. Like I actually don't think that movie, like tonally, adheres to the Christopher Reeve. Like visually, they definitely were trying for that, but tonally, it feels so different to me. Like okay, that's but, fair. That's for a different show. That's for a different show. That is <laughs> no. You know what though? That is a good point. I would. I do agree with that, especially as far as as tone for sure. Um, but yeah, and then another. But so anyway, that was a sort of. Those are some of the things that you know fans cited and you know criticizing it that it was you know again so close to this other version, but didn't really do enough of its own thing. Uh, there was a real lack of action in that movie, right? Famously, Superman oh, yeah. like, never throws a punch, right? Then you have Man of Steel, where you know Snyder like created a whole different visual aesthetic for the for, for Krypton, for Superman, for the costume, for the powers. Um, that Hans Zimmer, you know, soundtrack, uh, gorgeous. 
you know, it's extremely action-packed. And, you know, people complained about that. Like, oh, it was too violent. The battle for Metropolis was was too destructive. So it's the sort of thing, it's like, you know, I, I guess fans would argue, well, there's a middle ground somewhere to be found. But I don't know. I would kind of counter and, and say that, you know, at least Snyder had a vision and he tried something different and tried to offer something new. Okay. The action at the end is, like, the best part of the movie for Man of Steel for me. Like, so I, I think Man of Steel is, like, 85% almost perfect movie, if that makes sense. Like, I've got, like, I don't know if you want to talk about, like, the, the nitpicks or whatever, but, like, to me, there's 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 three things about Man of Steel that I think, like, didn't hold up for me in rewatch, right? Okay, go for it. One was Jonathan Kent dying. It was just corny. It was super corny how they did it. Um, it didn't really make sense. Like, the, the, the setup of it was, like, odd. Like, like why? Like, Jonathan, like, didn't get out of the hurricane like it, there's so much of it was just almost felt like they were setting it up just to try, to try to find a way to have him die and like i know we talked about how we don't think his parents need to die so that for me didn't work at all and like it just didn't ring true to the character like he would just let his dad die kind of thing and it, and it just happens in a very like corny way so that that one didn't pull up for me um two was the editing which i mentioned before like in the first half specifically in the first half there's like a lot of like really fast cuts between like like, like on the Krypton stuff, and then when he's like, you know, finding his way on, on like, like on Earth when he's an adult, it, there's like he'll be having dialogues and they'll cut to like another scene, like mid dialogue to another scene, like just very fast cuts. And I think that's probably the studio trying to cut the time down a little bit because Batman versus Superman didn't have that issue. So I'm thinking that's probably what it was. There, there was more of that connective tissue kind of stuff that they just kind of sliced out for time. Um, so it made the first half choppy to me. And then the last thing is killing Zod. Like I, I don't have a problem with him killing Zod. I, but it was just, I think the way they did it was so visceral and so violent that that set a sour taste in the audience's mind for the whole DCU going forward. Like, I think if they handled that in a different way, we'd be in a completely different situation right now with how these movies are viewed. Cause like Man of Steel is a solid movie, like top to bottom, the movies are solid. And like, that as the ending scene with him just snapping Zod's neck was like, like in like a very like violent, like super violent, like dark way, which the rest of the movie up to that point, while action packed, wasn't like that, like, like horrific, you know what I mean? So I think there could have been a, a different way of him killing Zod or getting rid of Zod that would have made that more palatable for like the mass audiences and then set everything else up. But other than that, like, dude, that fight at the end was like what I always want to see with Superman, like that, like, intense like quick in the air like fighting and like it just you know smashing through like buildings and like like almost dragon ball z like with like how like the debris was flying around there it was awesome and like yeah that that was great like that that was great cinematography on that yeah so you hit on you know a few things that you know i want to spend some time on because they point to what historically now over these past few years have been among the most common criticisms i think for people who have issues with the movie, you know, people do often cite the tone that they feel it's, you know, a, a, a darker tone than you would typically want in a Superman movie, which again, I don't share that view, but I think that's something that you hear. And the tone, of course, that permeates the movie. So I think we'll kind of hit on that probably in numerous ways as, as we move forward. Um, but, you know, the Jonathan Kent of it all and the killing of Zod... You know, I think those are those are areas where, uh, again, you you definitely hear a lot of criticism. And I will say, and that's why I love doing this podcast and why I really enjoyed my rewatch because my perspective on both shifted a little bit. 
And I'll also say this, I meant to say this at the top, that my perspective on these movies generally uh, and my defense of them has also changed a lot because for years, again, like when I went into to, to both movies, you know, I came out, I wasn't like soaring. I wasn't like, oh, those were everything that I wanted in, in Superman movies, right? Like I had somewhat mixed feelings, but I didn't hate them the way other people did. And when people would hate on them, uh, I would often say, they're not that bad. Like there's not, they're not as bad as you think. They're not as bad as you say. And for a long time, that was sort of the best defense that I had of them, which really isn't like a great defense. And now having the benefit of a little time and distance and perspective and subsequent rewatches, again, my perspective has shifted and it's not just, Hey, they're not that bad. It's they're actually quite strong. I feel. Okay. Now, do you want to say Something. Oh no! Because you're talking when you first saw them, and for me, mm-hmm, yeah. when I walked out of Man of Steel, I loved it. I mean, like I actually was what you're saying, like soaring, like out of it. Like the way Man of Steel ends when he's like, when she's like, "Welcome to the planet," and he's like, "Glad to be here, Lois." He smiles. It, it, that that actually echoed the Christopher Reeve movie, like the the smile at the end to the camera kind of thing. When, when in Chris, the first Christopher Reeve, he smiles at the camera, and then Superman, and then like the then this one Clark smiles, and the, the score comes in. You know, like I was like, "Yeah, Superman kicked ass!" Like that was a great movie. Batman versus Superman, I walked out of the theater hating it. Like, I actually, like, so it's almost the reverse. Like, and it took me a while, like, thinking about it to roommate on it and thinking, like, well, maybe it wasn't as bad as I, like, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad. And then when I watched it again with the ultimate cut, which is, I've only seen the theatrical cut in theaters. Like, same. Since, yeah, I think that added half hour, though it makes the movie incredibly long, (laughs) like, it actually, made me lo- like the movie a lot to the point where I'd say like, I actually like really enjoyed this movie to the part where like, I almost quote unquote love the movie. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that that, like I had the reverse where like the more I've sat with these movies, the more I like them over and over. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I want to pick up on that right now. Cause you know, we don't have to talk about the movies one at a time. And I think it actually will, we'll have a richer discussion if we kind of like bounce back and forth, because obviously there's yeah. a lot that, you know, is thematically and, and Clark's journey, obviously in particular that really, you know, carry across both movies. And to your point about the ultimate edition, well, it's funny. Cause I was thinking back to, you know, the differences between the two cuts. And I realized, as you just said, I was like, I think I only saw the theatrical cut once. Because once it came out on Blu-ray, it had the Ultimate Edition. And, you know, why watch the theatrical cut when I can watch the, the, the true vision of the movie? And I'm with you. I think that, if, and for anyone who hasn't seen the Ultimate Edition, please do. You know what I love? On HBO Max, I don't know if you've seen this, but they replaced the theatrical cut with the Ultimate Edition. So if you go on HBO Max, the only version of Batman v Superman you can see is the Ultimate Edition. Because that's the true, you know, vision of the movie. Yeah. But I think two of the things that the movie does, that the ultimate cut does, that that really improve a lot. One is uh, you get a lot more of Clark. You get a lot more of Clark investigating. And I think that does two things. And it's funny because I was talking to my wife uh, in advance of of this, (laughs) as I think you were with your fiance. And I was like... (laughs) talking about everything I was going to say to you in this episode. and But she was right there with me, and she has not seen the ultimate cut. She's only seen the theatrical. And one of the things she said, she was like, you know, I liked it, but I feel like there wasn't a lot of Clark. And she was mm-hmm. right, but there's a lot more in the ultimate cut, and you get to see a lot more of Clark investigating, which I think, other than getting to spend more time with Clark, I think the other huge benefit of that is that you get to see so much of the movie is from Batman's perspective and you see where Batman's animosity towards Superman comes from. But when you watch this and you see Clark investigating 
uh, the Batman and his cruel methods in Gotham, it's like you see that it's a little bit more two-sided than in the theatrical cut. So mm-hmm. I really like yeah. that. And uh, the other thing too, this, I mean, more just plot wise, but it really, you get a lot more connective tissue and I think it becomes clearer again, not, I don't have the, you know, the sharpest memory of the theatrical cut because it's been so many years and I only watched it once, but I think you do get a much clearer picture of all of the strings that Lex was pulling in terms of really mm-hmm. setting these two up against each other. The fact that, you know, it was Lex who was sending Clark, you know, the, 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 the clippings about the Batman and kind of setting him you know, on that path and, and, you know, requesting that Clark be the one to cover uh, the library gala that Lex hosted, all those sorts of things. And I think, uh, and that whole opening incident uh, in Africa with, you know, and and everything that kind of unfolded from there, I think a lot just became much clearer in the, in the extended cut. So I really do hope people will watch that if they haven't already. It it also, like everything you just said, a hundred percent agree with, because that was when I left, when I left the theater, that was one of the things was like, I'm like, I didn't understand why anyone was doing anything. And Superman just came off as like mean, but like in the, in the real version, the extended version, like Superman is very likable in it. Like, because you see Clark trying to do the right thing. You know what I mean? And I think it's, it was such a mistake to cut the, I think that there was other stuff they could have cut out of that movie instead of the Clark stuff, but I guess they felt that they needed to establish Batman more because he was new and Superman had a movie before, but um, it definitely made it him more likable for sure. Yeah. You know, so and side note, how awesome was Ben Affleck as Batman? Like so I, I hadn't seen it in so long yet. And, I, and when I saw it again, cause I'm psyched for Robert Pattinson. I think that movie's going to be incredible. And do you think he's going to be great? But I was, my memory of Ben Affleck was mostly from justice league. Cause that was the movie I'd most seen recently. And he was like, eh, okay, you know, like, but we know that it was, I don't think any of those people were really bringing their A game because, you know, all the turmoil we've heard about it since then. But, um, but he was just awesome in this movie. Like, you know, and the best scene in the whole movie is when he like takes those thugs apart and he like, with the, when he comes into the bat plane, just like Rex house, it's such a good scene. He, you know, I've, I've been a fan of Affleck for for decades now and i followed him you know even even in the down years when he wasn't really doing as much and wasn't as popular and so i've loved this resurgence that he's had and i thought he was great as batman and and bruce wayne and Mm -hmm. you know again going back to snyder i mean the the visual take on the character in terms of the costume but just the physicality the fighting and obviously you know affleck too but um i i just think actor wise Bale is still my favorite, but in terms of, I think, visual and overall presentation of the character, I think, I think Batfleck is kind of tops for me after rewatching this. I would have to agree with you on that, to be honest, like, I really, because I, I agree with you, like, Bale, like, there's something, and maybe it's because we got, like, three, like, decompressed movies with him, too, to really get inside the character, you know, um, but you're right, like, act, like, but in the suit, like, in the suit, mm-hmm. like, Ben Affleck just, you know, he, he was, he's kicked ass, man. I mean, but you know, that might be up for grabs now with the Robert Pattinson one, because he looks good in the suit. That suit looks sweet. Like, it's got that, like, sharp kind of stuff, the sharp ears and everything. So we'll see what the new takes are. But yeah, Affleck was great. And and him with Henry Cavill, like, them, like, like when they're, like, in the same frame together, like, they look like they fit. You know what I mean? Like, they're, like, their suits, like, the design, everything just looks, like, it looks, like I said, I felt like I was reading, watching an Ed McGinnis, uh, 
Jeff Loeb comic from like the early 2000s, you know? Oh, that's the thing. And especially the, the big battle between the two of them with him and the armor. It's like, it's like right out of the comics. That's why I know I had a hard time right really buying like why people were so offended by it. Um, but and so we have a lot more to unpack with BVS and, and, and the Batman piece of it too, as much as I know our focus is Superman, but going back to Man of Steel and uh, Jonathan and Zod, because I know there, you know, there was a lot, you know, going on uh, and people had strong reactions. So as far as killing Zod, what I always said about it was I understood why Clark made the choice he did in the moment. It, I was just sad that the movie put him in that position where he had to make that choice. After rewatching it, and, you know, I, again, I might lose some people here who are like, no, like, this is so counter to who Superman is. But, all right, here's the thing. I love that Superman, Clark, is a, is a man of high ideals. I love that he'll always find another way. Like, I love, I know you're, of course, a fellow Smallville fan. I love... Uh, that Legion of Superheroes episode uh, in season eight when uh, Chloe is possessed by Brainiac and the Legion says the only way we can stop Brainiac is to kill Chloe, kill his vessel. And Clark stops. And it's this beautiful scene where Clark is like, there's a human being inside. There's always another way. Like if you ever believed in me, you know, you would know rule number one is do not kill ever. Right. <clears throat> and that's great. And I love that about the character. But to get meta for a second the reason why Superman is able to live up to that is because the writers who craft the stories that he's in always give him an out. And a yeah. perfect example, right? So I just did a couple of episodes on the Jeff Loeb, Joe Kelly era of the Superman books. And there's an issue of Loeb Superman where uh, Superman is temporarily aligned with Mongol and they're fighting Imperiax out in space. And they beat Imperiax. And then, of course, Mongol turns on Superman. Of course. And Superman... Uh, you know, was able to subdue him. But there's this quick moment where Superman's kind of like, what do I do with him? Very conveniently, Lobo happens to be passing by. And Lobo says, oh, there's a bounty on him. I'll take him. And it's fine. Like, and of course, like it works, right? But yeah. he had an out. And so it's sort of like, well, what would happen if you don't give him that out? And again, you know, if someone's out there and they're saying, well, you know, I just wish that the movie didn't put him in that position. Again, I... His, you know, in the past kind of fell into that camp, but I don't know if, if you are trying to do something different and, and place him in a real world setting, you know, I think again, if nothing else, it was an interesting choice, but I wasn't as bothered by it, I guess, as I was in the past, because it's like, okay, it's great that he will always try to find another way. But if it really comes to it, he is willing to make that choice if he really has to. And going back to what you were saying before about the, the differences with the comics, it was always kind of interesting to me that people were so offended by this. Uh, to your point, I, I do agree. I mean, it was particularly violent and visceral. But, <laughs> but you know, in, in the, the John Byrne run uh, on, on the Superman books, his run ends with Superman executing uh, Zod and the other Kryptonian criminals. And in that case, it's not even in the heat of battle. I mean, it's like he truly executes them. Uh, and yeah. then, you know, that sets off that whole storyline where he's plagued by guilt and he, you know, uh, heads off into space and all of that. But I don't know. So there's precedent for it in the comics. And I don't know, maybe it's more palatable to people if he's, you know, a little bit uh, calmer and colder as he's doing it as opposed to like in the heat of battle. But to me, it just felt like in that moment, that was that was the only option he had. And he's willing to go that far if he has to. Yeah, I mean, so... 
I wasn't so offended by it because I, and, and to, to jump to Batman versus Superman as well, like Batman kills a shitload of people in that movie when I rewatch, you know, like just like guns blazing and stuff, but you don't really notice it because it's filmed in a way where it's like almost like star Wars, right? Where you're not thinking about the person in the ship that's blowing up kind of thing. And so the thing with Batman with man of steel with Zod is I totally agree. And the symbolism in it that I felt was that, and, it, and I always thought this became so much clearer to me in the rewatch was that it, it was as though like, the, he, he was the last tie to his home world. And there was this random human family. And it, it comes down to a random human who has no connection to, and the last of his people, he's always going to pick the human because like deep down, he is a human being. He's not a Kryptonian, like in his, like, like where his like self identifying allegiance flies, you know, like earth is his home. So he'll do anything he can to protect his home. Right. I just, it, it, like I said, it, just, it, it, it went almost into the realm of Mortal Kombat with, like, the neck snap, right? Like, and so, like, I feel like there could have been a way where, like, like, if he did it, like, like, it's not that I'm opposed to him killing him. It's more like, like, if they were in, like, a, like, a heat vision battle and he just overpowered him with heat vision and then Zod was, like, a bat, like, vaporized or something. Like, there, I feel like there could have been a way to do it that it wasn't so just, like, raw. But, again, the choice of it, ultimately, I didn't really have a problem with it. And, like... I get why people bristle against it. Like, I do get it. But at the same time, like you're saying, this, this real world take that he's going for, this completely different, unique vision on the character, I feel like it fits. So I, you know, I, I, I just think it, it was a shame because I think it soured the rest of the universe, like the, the perception of the universe going forward, you know? I think you're 100% right, for sure. And I'm going to argue against myself for, for a second here because... You know, I watched this as a as an adult, right? And I, you know, I was able to reconcile it with my vision of the character. You know, if I were a kid, or if I were taking my child to see a Superman movie, and that were their first exposure to Superman, and that's the imagery, um, yeah, I don't know. I might feel a little differently, you know. But uh, again, yeah. at least as far as, you know, where I was, it made sense. And, you know, going back to what I was saying before about kind of, you know, picking up on things or appreciating things in a little different way. I think the first time I saw that, I watched that scene and, you know, uh, where Superman is, you know, restraining Zod and pleading with him. He's like, stop, like, don't, like, don't. And I think the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, he's like, you know, telling him, you know, don't, don't kill this family. But then rewatching it, it's like he's pleading with him because it's like he knows that Zod is putting him in a position where he's going to have to kill and he's saying, like, don't make me do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. Totally. That's totally what's going on there, yeah. You know, and uh, and, and so I really like that aspect of it. So, uh, you know, again, I know that was definitely, you know, one of the most, uh, you know, controversial uh, aspects. But let's, let's talk about uh, Jonathan. Because it's not only Jonathan's death. There's also the advice that Jonathan gives Clark, uh, specifically after Clark saves his uh, bus full of classmates from drowning, right? And, you know, Jonathan is like chastising him for risking exposure. And, and Clark says, what was I supposed to do? Let them die? And Jonathan says, maybe. And I remember that was in the trailer, one of the trailers. And I remember at, at my comic shop, like that was a debate. Like people, not even much of a debate. Like people were like kind of, people definitely bristled at the notion of Pa Kent, you know, who we typically, you know, he's typically depicted as following a certain code, like, you know, saying that to Clark. But I'll tell you, man, and I felt this then, and now as a father, I feel it even more so. Like, all of that rang completely true for me. And the whole, 
theme of fathers and sons in this movie uh, really really spoke to me in a different way this time. This was the first time I watched the movie after <laughs> my son being born. Uh, he's over one now. And uh, I, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest, man. I was, I was, I was crying like a couple minutes into the movie uh, when we were in the, the Krypton sequence and they're, you know, they're putting Clark in the rocket and, you know, Lara's expressing concern. Like, you know, he'll be a freak, he'll be hunted, he'll be killed. And, you know, Jor-El says he'll be a god to them. And, you know, that, that has always, you know, kind of resonated with me, but definitely more so now. And, um, you know, I always think about it. It's like Jor-El throws the ultimate, like, Hail Mary pass across mm-hmm. the universe. And Jonathan Kent and, and Martha catch it. It's a beautiful thing. And, uh, but so this whole idea of Jonathan, you know, giving Clark that advice, it's like, you know, as a parent, it's not that you're driven by fear, you know, it's not like you're, we're petrified all the time, but at the same time, you know, you, you have to do everything you can, right, to protect your child. And so, you know, if Jonathan felt like, you know, people finding out about Clark would result in Clark being taken, experimented on, killed, any of those things, it's like, mm-hmm. of course, and it's like, as a father, it's like, there's nothing I wouldn't do, there's nothing I wouldn't tell my son to do or not do if it meant keeping him safe. And so, again, I know people had an issue with that, too, but I, that just, I don't know, it, that made sense to me. It, it did make sense. I think that people, like, I think you, you took the right message away from it. I think that a lot of people got the wrong, like, one of the complaints I've heard about these movies is that Jonathan's like, tell him, oh, he's telling Superman to be a dick and just let people die. And it's like, that's not what he's telling him. He's, he's saying that he wants to protect him no matter what. And, and you do see later on when in that scene where Clark's bullied in the, in the, in the truck, like you get the, like, he definitely gives him that Jonathan Kent kind of wisdom when he's like, what, you're going to you kick his ass. Well, what, what, what is that going to make you feel better? Like, like he, he's, he's telling him, he's raising him how to be that good person we know, but doing it in a way where he comes, like he gets there on his own. Did you notice that? Where yeah. he's like, it wasn't like, the John Schneider version where like he like chastises Clark to be like, this is what we do, Clark. This is how to be a good person. It is more like, more like, you know, what's right. You know, what's wrong. And you have to, you have to get to that conclusion on your own. Otherwise, like it's not going to mean anything. It, it was much, it was this much more subtler take on it. But in the rewatch, I noticed it was there, man. It was like that whole idea that like Superman is who he is because of the cancer. It was in there. It was just very like, very subtle and artfully done as opposed to being hit over the head, you know? And, that's, I think, might have gone over a lot of people's heads. You know, they might not have seen that in a, without, like, really looking for it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, again, like, right, we love Smallville, right? And we love the John Schneider mm-hmm. version of Pa Kent, but... Oh, he's my favorite. He's my favorite. I don't, I don't want to... No, like, he's I know. my favorite Pa Kent. Same here, but it's like, I appreciated the, the, the Kevin Costner version, and... I, I, again, I like that there was a little different type of flavor to Jonathan Kent. Uh, I, you know, I don't need him to be depicted the same way, you know, in every interpretation. And I agree mm-hmm. with you because there are numerous instances of that where, you know, Jonathan is sharing wisdom, but it's maybe not beating you over the head with it as much as, you know, in other instances. And, you know, whether he's telling Clark, you know, you owe it to yourself to find out, you know, who you are and what your place in the world is going to, like, even if it takes you your whole life, like, you have to find this out, you have to decide Mm -hmm. what kind of person you're going to be, whoever that is, that's going to change the world. So I definitely think, like, the the traditional values, you know, that you associate with the Kents imparting to Clark, I think that's still there. It's like, you know, you don't necessarily get that moment, like, from Superman the movie, where, 
you know, right before he has his heart attack, Pa's like, you know, you're, you were sent here for a reason. Although you get that too. I mean, you get this too. Segway a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene in in the, in, in, um, in Superman seventy nine when he's like, "You are here for a reason." Did you notice the callback of, to that in Batman versus Superman? When when Batman was like, he's like, "I bet you your parents told you you were here for a reason." My parents oh, that's right. Lesson. He's like, and he's like, they dying in the alley. Like, it, I thought that was a, a great like little call because they they. I, there's no way Snyder didn't do that intentionally. Like that was 100% a, a callback to 79 Superman. So that is true. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, it's, and then of course, you know, the whole, the whole bit of, of Jonathan, uh, you know, dying in the tornado, the aspect of that, that is still like out of all of the things in the movie, I think the one thing that I still can't fully get behind is that Clark would let him die. As you said before. Yeah. But as far as Jonathan telling Clark to stay back, right, to, to keep yeah. the secret, that I got. And, and so this kind of ties back in with what I was saying before, right? And this Because so much of these two movies, uh, and perhaps Justice League, when we see the true vision of that, of that film as well, but, you know, so much of these movies is about, as I said before, like what Clark's relationship with the world is going to be, right? And... I really wanted to talk about this because this I've been thinking about it a lot, and I feel like if I have one gripe with probably most other tellings of the origin, it's that I really feel they take for granted the fact that Clark would put on this costume and be a public-facing symbol the way he is. I think it's often taken for granted that it's just like, oh, okay, like he'll become Superman, and you know, I think in, in all of the versions of the origin, like you see plenty of, of, you know, the Kent's, you know, imparting values, right? Like you understand why he's a good person, why he doesn't use his powers for ill. That's fine. But I feel like it's such a huge leap from he's a good person and he'll use his powers to help people when he can to like, he's going to become the symbol. And that's why I love stories like this and like Superman Birthright by Mark Wade, uh, where they really take the time to show you like why he would take this step, you know, because I, I think it's, uh, you know, I don't think it's such a given as, as, as people would think. And, you know, that's why like, I love, you know, with Smallville going back to that as, as, as we always do, you know, obviously they had to, they had to sustain that story over so many years. Right. And so I think that's why we got the blur and, you know, all that stuff. But that whole period of time where he's operating in Metropolis as the blur, you know, in secret, like he's using his powers, but he's not out there in front of the world and he's still maintaining his, you know, day-to-day -day life. It makes sense to me that there would be some sort of like intermediate step before becoming mm -hmm. Superman. Um, and then similarly, did you ever read American Alien, the miniseries? No, I never did, no. It was pretty cool. And there too, there was an interesting addition where uh, before Clark you know, uh, be fully become Superman, he tries out a version of a costume with a mask. And mm -hmm. that too, it's like, you know, of course, ultimately Superman, of, of course he won't have a mask, but it, it, it makes sense to me that he would attempt it, right? Yeah. Before he would, he would go the route of being disguised in his, in his civilian life. So again, that's why I really like stories where we have the opportunity to see why he makes the choices that he makes. And especially setting these movies you know, in, in modern day, in, in the, you know, the real world, I, you know, 
I really, it's like it's very understandable to me why Jonathan and then later Clark would really wrestle with how the world would respond to him. And we see that pay off then in Batman v Superman. We see how the world reacts to him and it's a very mixed reaction. And I, I just think that rings true. Yeah. I, I want to jump back to that. Yeah. Don't let me forget the, the, the way the world sees Superman. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like I liked how in Man of Steel, how the beginning was him basically being Superman without the suit, right? Like he was like, it, it was the whole thing in Birthright where he's going around helping people just like kind of like in an aimless way. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I really dug that, that whole scene with the, um, in the ocean. The oil oh, the rig. oil rig, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Like, all that was so cool. And yeah, and I, I love the idea that the suit is a Kryptonian suit, too. Like, I, I really like that. Like, I like that it's not it's something his mom makes. I think that's, like, really hokey. So, um, I like that it's from Krypton, and it's, yeah. And the suit looks great, too. Um, there's something we were talking... Oh, with, the, with Jonathan Kent, um, you had brought this up, that... Like I know neither of us really like him dying in the in in the story. Like we want him to be there, and I I, I think he would have been such a great addition in Batman vs Superman if he was still there too. But when the reason I think the '79 Superman version of him dying is so powerful is because he he says when he's at the grave when he's like all these powers and all these things I can do and I couldn't save him. Like like this was beyond my reach. Like to to basically establish like you're not God. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's where in this version he totally could have saved him. And like, it, it wasn't something that was like unattainable. And, and even like, he, he didn't really even have to reveal himself. Like he, he could have used super speed. To, you know what I mean? Like it could have been like, it was just such a, a and, and the, and the reason, did you notice that like the reason that he was even out there was because he was like, like hurting people almost. He's like, come on, go to that overpass, go to that. But it's like, why are you doing this? Like, they they're, they're going on their own like you know what i mean like I so i it, it was it, that was like like i get why they wanted it in there and why the idea that why superman's been holding back is because his father made a sacrifice to allow him to keep his identity like i get that but it just it i don't think it read in a super powerful way you know it was it there was so many like plot holes through it that like it just it, like I, I get and ultimately like because I know what the artist was trying to say with it like or what I would assume you know what our interpretation of it is what I'm assuming what the artist is trying to say like it doesn't bother me so bad but for people who are less um, open I guess to different versions of the character I get why that bothers them so much you know. For sure. And, you know, I, I've always been in the in the camp, you know, that you just described where, you know, I, I like when both Ma and Pa are alive and they're there to give him counsel when he needs it, when he goes back to the farm. But, you know, if Jonathan is going to die, you know, but it teaches Clark the lesson that he can't save everyone like in Superman the movie, like, you know, then I'm, I'm kind of OK with it. So, yeah, this definitely was a completely different approach. Um, I will say just as a side note, regardless of how Jonathan dies, I've amended my thinking slightly because I think that you do get one one additional benefit uh, by by having him pass uh, at, at you know that especially at that point in Clark's journey before he um, you know becomes Superman and that's it gives Martha more to do you know because you think about it it's like in most sure. instances like it's Jonathan who's showing him the ship it's Jonathan who tells him he's there for a reason it's Jonathan you know having these moments yeah. with him and once Jonathan's gone and then Superman's an adult, like you have those moments with, with Martha. 
Um, so I do kind of, so that's, you know, I guess again, to argue against myself a little bit, like it gives Martha more to do where typically she is more, more passive and just kind of more there, um, with Jonathan. Uh, Martha has, you know, perhaps some, uh, slightly controversial advice in Batman v Superman when, you know, Clark's, you know, in a moment of doubt and he visits her and she's like, you know, be there, be their hero, be their savior or, you know, or be none of it. Like you don't know the world a damn thing. You never did. That was so out of, I thought that was very out of nowhere and like off model for the character in these movies. Like, you know what I mean? Like not, not for the comic book version, but for the character up to this point, I felt like it was very like out of nowhere. (laughs) Did you, did you get that from that or did did you read what the intent was supposed to be there? I think in the context of that movie and what we were seeing about how the world was receiving him, I think it worked well enough. Um, And I know you want it. So we'll circle back to that, but I just want to go back to, uh, to, to Jonathan and, and that tornado scene, I think that probably added to people's frustration because, uh, yeah, whether it was the staging or just the overall setup or the editing or whatever, I think, uh, maybe it could have been executed a little bit better. And, and certainly, yes, if you, and I know it was a particularly interesting choice that it was a tornado because it's like you said, like Clark would have the perfect cover, you mm-hmm. know, to, to save Jonathan and no one would know, but yeah. It's like I can I can try to take a step back and not worry so much about that aspect of it and just try to think like more big picture, like what it accomplishes. And I think ultimately it really hammers home what a big deal it is for Clark to reveal himself to the world in any in any way, really. Um, it's it's such a big deal that that Pa Kent was willing to die to allow mm-hmm. Clark to do it if he wanted to do it in his own time and on his own terms. So, you know, I think it it just continues to hammer home this theme of like, what is Clark going to be to the world and how is the world going to receive him? And, you know, again, you know, ultimately whether that particularly was the right choice, you know, for the film, again, I do think it supports the overall theme. Um, you know, there, again, there are aspects of that that I still kind of, you know, it, it's a little hard to take, but, um, but, you know, one other thing that, that was kind of interesting that I was thinking about on the rewatch is uh, we get in, we get another little variation in the origin where back on Krypton, you know, Zod kills Jor-El before the planet explodes, right? Typically, mm-hmm. right, in almost every version, it's Jor-El and Lara together, right, as the mm-hmm. planet explodes. And here we have, you know, Jor-El getting killed in the process of saving his son. And then we mm-hmm. have Jonathan where if when he dies in the in the origin story or if he dies in the origin story you know it's almost always the heart attack he grabs the arm he goes down here mm-hmm. you know he's not killed in the way that Jorel is killed but there's still it's a different type of death like he's dying it's not just nature taking its course even though it's a tornado but you know it's not a it's not a heart attack but it's yeah. um you know he's choosing to die for his son mm-hmm. um so that the symmetry of two fathers willing to die and dying for their son, uh, that, you know, certainly resonated with me. Um, and that again was something that on the rewatch I was thinking about, because obviously, you know, each death individually, of course, was a, was a conscious choice on the filmmaker's part, but I think it was also a Mm -hmm. conscious choice that they both, they both gave their lives like in a different way than they typically do in the origin story. Yeah. That's a really, I I did not put that together, but that 100%, I can, that makes sense is probably what was going through like their minds, like making it, you know? Um, and that makes me like it more now, <laughs> like thinking about it in that way, like that it's, 
he's sacrificing like, the idea that he is sacrificing himself, like the symmetry of that. He, they both sacrifice themselves for their son kind of thing. Um, just as then yeah, Clark like, will sacrifice himself for the world in Batman v mm -hmm. Superman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of worked for me. And I also, speaking of Krypton, uh, so like I said, I was weeping, you know, minutes into the movie. And uh, <laughs> but I got to tell you, man, for every time that I've watched the movie, this has been consistent. This is my favorite depiction of Krypton. It's the, because like anytime I watch the origin story, you know, I, I, I love it all. But like <laughs> the Krypton piece is always sort of like you just kind of got to get through it, right? Mm -hmm. This was the first time that I was like, what's going on on Krypton? Um, I, I was curious what you thought. And also, especially as an artist, like what did you think about the design and the aesthetic of Krypton in these movies? I, I really liked that. I liked that they were more almost like a, like a tribal, like warlike race. Like I thought like they were like a conquering race. Like I, like I liked the idea that they weren't this virtuous, perfect society, right? Like I liked the idea that they were kind of dicks, you know what I mean? And they're, own hubris of like mining their planet to shit is what like led to their downfall, you know? And the idea that Superman is, he, he he's all, he's Krypton's last hope because he's the last one, but he's also the only natural birth that they've had, which they, I think that's new for this origin. Maybe, maybe it's not, maybe that's from another one, but it never, in the, never in the media was it ever detected that way. And the idea that he was like, they're, they're almost like farming like people like through like, like science, you know, like in predetermining what they're going to be like a soldier, a farmer, a, a worker, an infantry guy, you know? So the idea that Superman, he, he has the freedom to choose who he wants to be and who he chooses is to be a good person and like a quote unquote savior character that made his choice to become Superman like that much more powerful for me. And then the idea that like, I, I loved the aesthetic of Krypton, like how nothing, there was no straight lines in it. Like everything was curved. Did you notice that? Like everything, like all the architecture, everything, there were no like straight angle, like Ikea angles. Everything had like arced and moved and curved. So and it had that motif, uh, everything, the costumes, the the armor, the ships, everything had that motif. So I thought it was a really cool visual take on it. There's dragons flying around. It, it just had this very like medieval kind of look to it that they almost had like a knight kind of like armor system. So like the Superman suit is almost that like the chain mail. And then like the stuff that comes on top is like, the heavy armor, mm -hmm. it just all had a very, very cool look. Like, what did you think about it? I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, going back to what I was saying before, it's like, you know, here was an attempt to do something different. I mean, we, you know, he, this was a departure from the, the ice and the crystals and, and all of yeah, that. Yeah, no crystal. No, no crystal. crystal. It was almost the opposite. It looked like hot. Like, the planet was really hot. Did you yeah. think that? Like, yes. Like, there was like fire pits and stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, I completely dug it. And like I said, and I don't know, it's hard to say really what... I mean, I like the, the aesthetic, but as far as why I was so engaged with the Krypton aspect, maybe because both Jor-El and Lara were like way more active than they typically mm -hmm. are in these stories. You know, usually it's just yeah. Jor-El like trying to convince the council and they don't listen and then they put him in the rocket and the planet explodes, you know? So mm -hmm. I feel like here, like Jor-El's running around like he's fighting Zod. Oh, also, uh, did you ever see Cinderella Man? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. Uh, you know, uh, Russell Crowe uh, plays a, a yeah. boxer. And I feel like that boxing training, man, came back when he was, like, he was boxing it was Zod. It was yeah, great. it was good. It was great. Yeah, the fight with Zod, it made Jor-El like an, like an ass kicker, you know? And he didn't even have a, like, an argument with the council in this movie, did he? I, uh, did, oh, no, he did, he did. Yeah. No, he, did, he did, yeah, he did, yeah. Never they never mind, listen, no matter what version, yeah. they just never listen to Jor-El. But, dude, that scene when... When Zod is coming for him, and Jarrell's like in that, like almost that, like Iron Man thing, where like the suit's coming on him, yeah. and everything 
click, click, click locks into place, and there's this quick moment he looks up and like his like hair blows a little bit. Do you notice that? Like it had a very like like comic booky like animation kind of like thing going where like hit this updraft come and like like it's it's such a good cinematography on it like i love that scene yeah no the krypton stuff was awesome and so jor-el was active laura was the one i believe who found earth you know like she you know she had been you know trying to find a place so like i felt like they had more to do it was it was action-packed uh yeah it was so cool like i really dug it and you know you were saying about uh kal-el being the you know the first natural birth in a very long time and that was another thing that i really enjoyed and more so in this rewatch this whole idea of you know, prior to Kal-El, like all of these generations of Kryptonians were uh, bred and bred for a specific purpose in society. And that actually gave me a little bit of sympathy for Zod. I saw Zod in a little bit of a different light, especially in the battle with, with Clark later in the movie where he says like, you know, protecting Krypton, ensuring Krypton survival, like that's my only directive. Like that's what I was mm-hmm. made to do. And, you know, obviously, you know, we, we, we don't agree with his methods, but like I felt a, a bit of or I, I felt like I had a little bit more of understanding, you know, for Zod, especially kind of keeping that in mind, like this whole idea of like, this is all this guy knew and all he had. And obviously he took it to the yeah. extreme, but like, that's what he was made for. You yeah. Know? I, I'll go one step further. I actually, cause I want to talk about Zod. I actually think Zod might be one of my favorite villains in comic book movies, like of all superhero movies, because one Michael Shannon's just, awesome so like, good so he, good he feel yeah he's so good i mean he he looks odd like he looks imposing and he's not like a like a brute right like he's not like just like like strong but like not like bane kind of character like not like you know like like he's not like a, one of those like 97 bane like you know like you know the, he's not just a physical threat yeah he's not just a physical threat he's also like an intellectual threat but he is still a physical threat at the same time and he looks really cool. Like, again, like his design, the suit, everything, like it, it's a rare in these superhero movies that like all three check the boxes for me that like they, they look cool, they act cool. And they're also like a, a mental threat as well as a physical threat. And, and there's a good actor playing them. So it's like, it's, it's hard for that, like the trifecta. Cause it's usually, they usually get two or three of them, but they never get like all of them, you know? Like, so, and I think Zod was a, he, he was he was a great villain to have for this first part, and he it just felt like you said like everything that he was doing it wasn't out of like like psychotic. He wasn't psychotically evil. He was he was tr- like from his own perspective, he was trying to save this planet. Yeah. So you yeah, so you could like while not agree with him, you can understand the motivation. You know. Yeah. No, for sure. And you know, I know we touched on this before, but the 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 battle, I mean this epic battle that we get in this movie, it's like you know, again, if whatever opinions people have, like that's fine, but you know, as I was watching this, I'm like like you've never seen something like this in a Superman movie. Like this is awesome. And it's like, yes, there's, you know, a lot of destruction, but you know, going back to what we keep saying, like if you are trying to show the real world ramifications of a type of battle like this. I was like, yeah, a city would be decimated. I mean, I guess people mm-hmm. were, I know maybe there were some complaints because, you know, Clark didn't take enough or didn't make enough of an effort to try to move the battle or try to save people in the process. But I don't know, as I was rewatching it, I, I don't, I don't know that that really had, you know, carries weight to be honest, that, that argument, no, the battle was I so mean, intense. Yeah. It was that. And also they make the point that Superman's not a fighter at yes. this point. Like yeah. he, 
he's very much like almost just like football tackling Zod. Like he's not using. There's one point when he, I think when he's fighting Feora in Smallville, which that fight's awesome too. Yeah. Fight. But you could tell he's almost kind of like throwing punches, and Feora is using like just straight up like martial art kind of moves and just like just taking him down. You know, like so the idea that like Superman was almost like out of his depth. You know, he was just basically just like, like just trying to like power through it like strength wise. And, and dude, the battle is awesome because I've been watching a lot of Dragon Ball Super recently. That's been on Hulu, and so I watched these movies like in between, like watching those. And I was when I got to that end fight, I'm like, oh my god, this is like this is like that kind of like fight. Like I forgot how just awesome. So like like the debris, like how like they animated the debris like flying around them, and like just like the shock waves, and like when they fly and they're flying against the building. Like I think Superman's falling down, and Zod's running up, and they crash into each other, and it creates a shock wave that ripples across the building. Just very visual, visually cool moments, you know, that we had never seen in the Superman movie. And I I hope that we see more of stuff like that. I mean, you don't have to have it in a city, like, as I know people have an issue with that. But most of the destruction in the city came from that, like, machine thing. Like, right, the whole right. area that was, like, leveled out that became the park in Batman vs. Superman was, like, where I think where the, the machine was, like, pulsing through the, it was, like, boom, doing that thing. So yeah. it wasn't really Superman causing the Havoc, you know, and you know, I I I agree with you about uh, you know Superman as a fighter, and on top of that, like this was his first outing as Superman. Yeah, you know, so yeah, yeah. Like, yeah he's probably not going to make all the right choices, and you know, kind of going even going back to, uh, you know, killing uh, you know, killing Zod. It's like this was his first time. Like I don't know, maybe he wouldn't make that choice, uh, you know, a, a year or two later. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's like. And, you know, we get two instances earlier in the movie where, you know, Clark is antagonized and he doesn't fight back, right? The one you mentioned before when he's a kid uh, and then, you know, in, in Smallville and Jonathan has that talk with him. And then when he's an adult and he's working at that bar uh, and those guys, you know, dump the beer on his head and it's like he he restrains himself. But, you know, the implication of that, because I was thinking about this, it's like when he finally fights Zod and, and the crew, like that's the first time this guy's like ever thrown a punch. And it's like, yeah, it is a very unrefined fighting style. Like, he's more of a brawler in this, you know? Oh, you're actually, uh, you're muted there, sir. <laughs> Let's see. Actually, uh, this, while we, while we sort this out, uh, here's a perfect time uh, to, uh, to hear a word uh, about our sponsors. So uh, we will be right back. Submissions are now open for the March season of the Brightside Tavern Film Festival in Jersey City, New Jersey. Visit filmfreeway.com to submit your film now. Also, be sure to listen to the podcasts hosted by the festival's organizer, CJ Cullen. You can find the official Hang On To Your Shorts podcast, as well as the Cullen On Film podcast, via a shared universe network. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas, whether it's comic book superhero stories or role-playing in a dungeon, the Hive is where to be. Come tap your mana and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics and on Instagram at The Hive Comic Shop. All right, and we're back. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. It's a little bit low, but I can hear you. Actually, I can uh, adjust that on my end. All right. And while you were gone, what's up? 
No, I think I had a phone call that I had to oh. X out. So I think that's what happened. <laughs> While, while you were gone, we heard a word from our sponsors, so so it all worked out, and uh, I thought I was going to have to, you know, do some editing, or but no, we just kept going. It's great. And I, you know, I hope, perfect, perfect. you know, hopefully people are, are understanding, you know, we're dealing with remote recordings and Wi-Fi and all sorts of issues, so uh, so thank you for, uh, for riding with us here. Uh, so where were we? We were talking about uh, about the battle, right, and the fact that Clark was you know, a bit more of a brawler, right? Was there, <clears throat> was there anything that, uh, that you were going to say at that point? Um, just that, yeah, so the, he's a brawler and the, the Smallville, I thought the fight with Smallville was great. Um, a lot of visually interesting stuff. I, it, a lot of property damage. I know that, that was something that people complain about, but ultimately though, to me, like, like, this is a movie, you know what I mean? Like, it's not real. Like, Superman didn't, like, really destroy someone's business. So, like, it, it's, it's, it's like visual, like, just, it's supposed to be visually interesting, you know? And, and just like that, I, I thought it was cool. Like, you know what I mean? I thought it was a, a cool visual take. Yeah. And, you know, there's another, there's another criticism. There's actually a YouTube video that uh, one of my buddies sent me. He's not a fan of the Snyder movies. And he sent me this video and I did watch it. And essentially it argues that a fatal flaw in the movie is that, you know, the crux of Clark's conflict, right, is whether to reveal himself to the world. And that the flaw of the movie is that that choice is taken away from him when Zod shows up and says, there's one of my people, you know, in your midst. And I, I guess I agree that it forces Clark's hand. Like it brings the inner conflict to a head. Like now he has to make a choice, but he Mm -hmm. still has a choice to make. And I, I mean, to the critics point, it's like, yes, uh, I guess now it's not so mind blowing that there are aliens out there, right? Because if Clark stepped forward and says I'm from another planet, you know that's that's big news to people. So Zod coming first kind of you know uh, takes a little, little, lets a little of that air out. But I don't know. I feel like the Clark still has that big choice to make. So I disagree with that that criticism of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And then he yeah. didn't have to step forward so publicly. Like he didn't have to be like floating in the costume. He could have just been like gone to the military like discreetly, you know. Right. Like he didn't have to be there in the suit, you know. <laughs> like, so. Exactly. And I know, yeah. we, I know, we talked uh, in when you were in the premiere episode of this podcast, and we talked about uh, the the slyness that that Christopher Reeve had as the character. There's a little. I mean, you don't get a, a ton of that, and you know, again, this I guess goes to the tone, right? Like you know, Henry Cavill's a real charming guy and a charming actor, and you know, you don't get to see like so much of that, but there is some of it. And the scene where he's in the interrogation room with Lois and she's asking him about the S and he's like, it's not an S. I love that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he, he definitely hit my, uh, my Superman cool factor that we were talking about in the first episode where Superman should be cool. He definitely has it. It's, it's a different way than what Christopher Reed was for sure, but it's still, it's his own, like he's like a, like more of like a, like a tougher cool. Like he's like, 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 like silent kind of brooding kind of cool, you know, but it's still like cool. So and you're right. He's still that's not an S. You know, he definitely has <laughs> elements of that in there. So, yeah, yeah. No, he he he's a great Superman. I hope we get more with him because he was just he was great. And I know I, I know I keep harping on this, but the, the you know this idea of you know a, a more real world uh, approach here and why it would be such a big deal for Superman to exist and to reveal his existence. It's like, you know, again, going back to the Christopher Reeve movie, it's like that, you know, that very charming, sweet, romantic scene uh, on the rooftop where Lois is, uh, you know, um, interviewing Superman. And he says he's from another, a planet called Krypton. And she's just like, oh, okay, how do you spell it? It's like, you know, this is huge news. (laughs) It's like, you know, and so I think that, um, and again, like that's, like I said, a real sweet, charming, like I, I love that the Christopher Reeve movie 
the first two, that they're out there. That's great. It's like, I'm not saying that, hey, you should only watch the Snyder version, but I really do think like the Snyder version is, is perfectly valid, just as valid. And, um, mm-hmm. that the choices made really support this, uh, you know, this vision. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, again, so it, and, and, you know, we've built up to it this whole movie, right? I mean, Pa died so that he didn't have to step forward. So when he makes that choice, uh, even if Zod forces his hand, like he's still, he's still taking the, you know, the step to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about Lois for a second because, uh, she really, Amy Adams really grew on me uh, in my rewatches. Not that I ever disliked her before in the role, but I really came to enjoy her performance more. And I want to get your take on this because like this is also a very different role for Lois in the origin story, right? Like in most versions, like he shows up and then they, like he's already Superman, right? And then, Mm -hmm. or, you know, he saves her and then he very quickly becomes Superman right after and she doesn't know his identity initially or in some cases, you know, for the whole, for the whole, uh, you know, story. So I actually, like, I really liked this twist on it that she was, you know, such an integral part of his origin and that they mm-hmm. completely dispensed with the love triangle and her not knowing his true identity and, and all of that. Like, at the end of the day, if you said to me, Anthony, you can only have one version of the origin story and, and Lois's role in it, would I pick this? Probably not, but I dug it a lot. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I really liked it. And I liked that it, because as a comic book fan, and I'm sure you're the same way, is that I've always known Superman and Lois to be married. Like, as a reader, like, they've always been married, right? So I like how in this movie they kind of fast-tracked to that point. Even though they were never actually married in these movies, they got to that point where they, like, know each other. Like, she knows his identity. She's on his side. Like, they've got each other's backs. Like, and it... Maybe that is kind of weird for people who don't read the comics because it's like, wait, this isn't the status quo that I know about Superman with the love triangle. But I like, again, that's one of the reasons that made it feel like a comic book to me. Like it felt like it was ripped right out of the pages. Like they took that very modern take of Lois and put her in the movie as opposed to doing the, the love triangle with Clark, Lois and Superman. Yep. No, for sure. So I definitely agree. I agree. I really like it. Uh, also, Lawrence Fishburne is my favorite Perry White. Oh, me too. Me too. Me too. For sure. Love that. It's so he, good. He was, did you notice that he was like funnier in Batman versus Superman? Yeah. He had like these like zingers. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause okay, this is, I, I do have a couple of nitpicks. All right. And uh, a couple of them are daily planet related. So and Batman V Superman, like Perry, like ribs Clark a couple of times where uh, yeah. he's, when he sends him to Gotham to, inv- he's like, you know, don't let him take your lunch money. And when Lex, when Clark gets invited to cover Lex's benefit and he's like, <laughs> he must have a thing for nerds. It's like, okay, yeah. you can put him in glasses, but like, he's still Henry Cavill. It's like, I don't buy but, that he would be seen as this nerd. <laughs> no, but, but I, I think that like his personality though, like, like what was shown there, he kind of came off as like, as Clark at the daily planet, he was kind of like a, like stick in the mud a little bit, yeah. not stick in the mud, but kind of like, kind of like, like he, he's really, like that's this whole thing is like he's from Smallville, right? Like right. so he's like green, he's green, he's right behind the ears kind of thing. So I actually kind of like that 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 Perry was like, like do those things <laughs> on him, you know? But you're right, like it's, it's Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill glasses, like he's not like he's not like a point dexter, you know? So, <laughs> right. But, and then my other nitpick is, yeah. and this is actually a bigger a bigger issue. Uh, again, it's not the end of the world, but, uh, 
you know, I had mentioned uh, Superman Birthright earlier, right? My, my favorite take on the origin that Mark Wade wrote. And uh, I know this is kind of heresy to even be talking about Wade and Snyder in the same conversation because I know Wade has publicly stated he was not a fan. But, <laughs> but the, the origin stories do have certain similarities. But one thing that I really, really loved about Birthright was that when Clark was traveling the world and helping people and using his powers in secret, he was also a journalist. I, I really like the idea of journalism being more to Clark than just a cover. And in Man of Steel, it really is kind of, and look, they had a lot of ground to cover and, you know, I, I think they, you know, they did what they could, but it is, it does feel kind of perfunctory. Like when, you know, Martha asks him like, what is he going to do? He's like, well, I like, I need a place where I can, you know, uh, be in the middle of the action and no one will think twice. And, you know, he, he picks journalism and obviously he has the connection with Lois, but I like the idea of, of again, of journalism being a, a passion and a calling for him, not just a cover, especially in modern times, right? Like back when Superman was created, like I feel like it made more sense because how else would you find out about what's going on like up to the minute? Mm -hmm. But these days it's like if you have a cell phone and a, a police scanner, it's yeah. like you have everything you really need. So I like the idea of, of journalism actually being something that Clark cares about. And by the time we get to Batman v Superman and you see him investigating, it's like I, I think that's there. But I would have liked, I guess, if when he was traveling the world, if there had been a little journalism aspect. I don't know that it really would have fit in this movie, but that's something that uh, is a little bit of a pet peeve for me in the in the general origin tellings. Yeah, yeah, especially because as adults, we know that like getting a job like that is insanely difficult. Right. <laughs> and so like for him to like not have this like lifelong fashion to do it and just like gets a job, you know what I mean? So it's like a lot of people want like the small amount of jobs, you know? So it, it'd be like, you're like, yeah, I want to be an astronaut. And he becomes an astronaut, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, yeah for sure. Um, one of the things that bothered me about the daily plan Batman university, this is a, such a nitpick, but it, 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 butted up against the realism that they're going for was that Clark was like hellbent on exposing Batman, right? But Perry was like, no, that's not going to sell papers. You need to cover this, this college football game and you need to cover this library function. Batman's not going to sell papers. Like, and I feel like in the real world, people would be way more interested in like if Batman was real than like the Metropolis versus Gotham college football game you know what I, mean? like, I was like wait, what like i that was one of the things that i thought was a little strange you know like, i dude i'm so there with you i was thinking the same thing because it's like obviously you know perry needs to be like skeptical to an extent and you need a little bit of tension there where like lois wants to pursue something and you know he's kind of in the way like you want a little bit of that but like i agree with that in particular it's like hey i can cover this vigilante who's branding people like yeah. or a football game <laughs> he's like yeah. you better better cover that game it's yeah. like what what is yeah, yeah that was a little or, or, odd. or, or the library thing that, that he was invented which has even less I mean, people you know what i mean like, yeah. like the lex library donation like all right while we're doing nitpicks i got a couple more yeah. and again i love these movies but there there were a couple little yeah. things uh at that at that benefit right where you know clark is outside and bruce shows up and clark turns to the guy next to him and he's like who's that now, <clears throat> Bruce Wayne is this like famous billionaire who lives in the city across the bay and Clark is a, a journalist. Like he should know. Don't you think he should know who Bruce Wayne is? It, it would be like, like, <laughs> it, 
like like a reporter at one of like at the Met Gala being like, hey, hey, who who is that guy? Like, oh, that, that's David Beckham. You don't know that? Like, like, it'd be like it's like this like super famous person, you know? Or like, oh yeah, it's, it's Michael Strahan. You you don't know? You live here in New York. You don't know this? Like, it's like, yeah, yeah that that was a little weird. Yeah, for sure. And then the- especially because like, Affleck's Bruce Wayne wasn't like the key in like. Um, like recluse Bruce Wayne, like he was like very much like out there, like you know, uh-huh. running the streets, you know, like so. Yeah. On that note, actually, one of the things that I really liked, and this was so small, but I, it was a nice touch. You know, obviously, in all the Batman stories, right? He has this playboy persona, right? And he's always, you know, leaving the party with a with a pretty girl, but you know, then he like he like he'll part ways. And in one of the scenes, like he wakes up and there's a woman in the bed next to him, and it's like. <laughs> Yeah, it's like as much as being a playboy is like his cover. I mean, it's like he's he's still a man, and so it's like I, I, I like that. I felt like that was uh, you know a little bit more realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's cool. And that dude, his house on the lake. I was like, I want a, I want a house like this. Yeah, <laughs> I want this house. I got to become a billionaire. So I'm gonna get a house like this. So I guess like we're kind of moving into more Batman v Superman territory. But I I wanted to say one other thing visually that I thought was kind of cool about Man of Steel is that it's very. Uh, like elemental, like I felt that, you know, we talked about, you know, uh, Krypton, you know, instead of being ice, like it was more like, like fire. And then there's the scene on the oil rig. So we get the fire, uh, water, you know, Clark, uh, you know, when he's, uh, blown off the, uh, the oil rig, right. And like, he's in the water, uh, there's that. Then when he's learning to fly, I mean, obviously the air and then the earth, that's kind of like moving, you know, beneath him as he's about to take off. Like, I like those little, those little cues. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I really liked the like the gravity come up around him when, when he flies and when he takes off. And that was a very cool, yeah. very cool touch that like just made everything look more kind of like epic and like it led to that like godlike thing they were going for, you know, just like that was very cool, very cool touch. Yeah. So as we, you know, get a bit deeper into Batman v Superman, all right, let's talk about one of the things that is criticized and ridiculed probably more than anything else. And I'm talking about Martha. How do you feel about Martha? It, it, so I get what they were going for. Like, I totally get what they're going for. The idea that Batman up until this point only saw Superman as an alien. And then when he finds out that he's got a mom, not only does he have a mom, but it's the same name as his mom. Like, I get that. Like, I totally, like, I get what they were going for. That moment didn't really hold up for me again rewatch, though, because... Mm -hmm. One, why would Superman, first off, why would he call his mom Martha? Why, why would he use the name Martha? Why would he just be like, they're going to kill my mom, right? So that that was strange. But then, like, the idea that Batman was, like, literally about to kill him, and then Lois is like, that's his mom. He's like, oh, throws it away. He's like, we're bros now. Like, like I so... I get what they were going for. I do get what they're going for. I felt like it a little choppy a little bit, you know, but like I, I got, I understood the sentiment behind it, you know? So ultimately it didn't bother me that much. If that makes sense. What about you? Yeah. Um, for the, for the most part, I'm on board with it. I think though, this might fall into the category of like Jonathan and the tornado, like the execution mm-hmm probably could have been refined a little bit to make it because I think you know people always make fun of the I think the delivery of like the why did you say that name 
you know, like that whole thing. And I don't know, maybe they could have played it like a little bit differently, but you know, again, this, and you hit the nail on the head, right? Like the, the purpose behind it, the idea that after spending the entire movie calling him the enemy, the alien, like he finally sees him as a person, as a man. Um, Mm -hmm. and the fact that they make use of this odd coincidence that they both, their mothers both have the same name that I actually like. Mm -hmm. Uh, so overall, like I'm on board with it. I, I agree that maybe there could have been like a couple other beats in that scene that kind of just let it play out a little bit differently. Um, I mean, as to your point, like, why did she, why did he say save Martha? I guess because in that moment, like he really thought like that was, that was it for him. So it's like, if he said, save my mother, like, you know, Bruce wouldn't know who that is. I guess. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But, I mean, what yeah. the, what the real reason is that they needed him to like because he they needed him to say Martha. So that's why he said yeah. Martha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I said, like like I agree like I think we're on the same page. Like I the sentiment and what they were doing and the intent I think is totally valid and cool and like I and I still understand it even through the execution of it. I just I, I don't love the execution of it. But it doesn't ruin the movie for me either. Right. You know what I mean? Like I it's one of those things it's exactly like the tornado scene for me, pretty much the way you said, where like, it's, it's a little weird, but like, it doesn't take me out of it, you know? Yeah. And so like for people who think that, you know, who, who kind of get the message behind it, but think it was kind of goofy or whatever, like, all right, that's fair enough. But I don't know for anyone who, cause I don't know, sometimes I feel like people think like it was just the coincidence of the name that like, you know, was the deciding factor for him. And it's like, no, it's like, it really is that he's finally seeing him for, as a person. As a person, as like a human, yeah, yeah, as someone that has like parents or thing, yeah. yeah, and like especially for him, the parents thing means so much to him because that's why Batman does it. everything about Batman is because of that. Like his parents being ripped from him is what made him Batman. You know, he even says it almost before he kills him when he's like, "My parents taught me a different lesson while they were dying in the gutter." You know, which that that line was great. That was a good, yeah, definitely like the most visceral like Batman like portrayal of that for sure. That's the thing, man. And I've said this from the start because, um, you know, like I said, my, you know, neither movie was exactly what I thought it was going to be. But always from the start with Batman v Superman, I, I loved this version of Batman and I really just bought into the, the central conflict between the two of them. And it's so funny because I remember my wife and I saw Batman v Superman at Alamo Drafthouse, our go-to theater, and like they have their pre-movie reel. And they had a whole montage of all the times the Waynes get killed in TV shows and movies and all that. And I remember saying, I'm like, yeah, like how many times, I remember saying to her, I'm like, yeah, how many times do we have to watch these people get murdered? And then it's the first scene in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but it's like, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, obviously it sets up the Martha bit, but like, you know, to go from that to Bruce's perspective on the battle for Metropolis, you know, from the, you know, his perspective on the events of Man of Steel, it's like, oh, like you see why he hates Superman so much because seeing that battle made him feel just as powerless as he did when he was a kid and his parents were killed. And so it's like, if you trigger that in him, it's like, of course he's going to go after Superman. So like, I bought into that. And they also put another layer on where that, that girl that he saves, he's like, where's your mom? And she like points to the building that's like, so it's like in his mind, Superman just made this kid an orphan, you know? So, so Superman's basically like responsible for this kid losing their parents, like in his mind, like obviously right. we know as the audience, that's not true, but, um, but that I bought that for sure. I bought that. Yeah. I also think with Batman, like it's one of those things that he would never admit, but I kind of think there's this thing with Batman with Superman that it's, I don't want to say jealousy, but I do think there's a part in the character that's 
slightly resentful for the fact that he doesn't have the power Superman has. You know, like a, a little bit, a little bit, mm -hmm. like not not so much that would make him hate Superman, but the idea that he he prides himself on the fact that he thinks he's better because he doesn't have all this stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm just reading into that. Maybe that's not the character at all, but. I think I think in this movie for sure. I think a little bit of that was in there. Yeah, and and I guess that kind of you know uh, you know leads us to this you know to Clark's journey in this movie because again you know Batman's driving a lot of like we said before like there's a lot going on in this movie like Batman's driving a lot and you're setting up Batman and Alfred and his whole quest. By the way, love this take on Alfred. I love that he's more yes, of like a, yes. a, a you know a partner and a strategist and like Bruce brings him coffee. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so we're setting up, you know, the whole, you know, the whole bat side of things. We're introducing Lex. We're introducing Kryptonite. We're teasing the other Justice League members. Uh, we get to Doomsday. We have Wonder Woman. Like, there's so much going on. And I want to talk about the Justice League thing later on too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I, as far as Clark's journey in this, um, again, thematically, I thought it worked really well, and it was a nice payoff to to the first movie, right? Where it's all these questions about like, how is the world going to receive him? And what you see in this is kind of a mix, right? Like some people see him as a God and they're like looking up and praying to him almost and uh, worshiping him. But then you have others who are questioning his motives and, and doubting him and, you know, considering him a, you know, a, a political agent. And, you know, obviously that, that fuels a lot of, you know, Clark's inner doubt and conflict in this movie. And you know what I thought was really interesting Again, not I, I don't mean to keep comparing it to the to the Donner movies, but that's the you know, I think it's natural. And and certainly critics of Snyder's movies kind of always seem to want to go back to what Donner had done in a lot of cases. You know, in Superman two, the the whole crux of of Superman's conflict in that movie was like whether to give up his powers to live a normal life with Lois, right? Which is and I'm not passing judgment, but it's like a selfish choice, right, that he's wrestling mm -hmm. with. In Batman v Superman, it's like he just wants to help people and his conflict mm. comes from people, you know, doubting him and questioning him and questioning his need to even be. Um, so I just felt mm -hmm. like, you know, again, for anyone who kind of looks at these movies and thinks that it doesn't represent the core of the character. I mean, I think that it's there. I really think it's there. And it's like, yes, he's brooding a little bit more than you might want in a Superman movie. But I think it's justified in terms of the responses that he's getting. But have you not read a bunch of comic books where he had that personality, where he was like wrestling with those same things? Like that's the thing. It felt like it was ripped right out of a comic book to me. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, like a run. Like it felt like like a story arc from a comic, as opposed to like the quote unquote status quo of Superman, which I keep coming back to. But it felt like he was telling like a a specific story about it. You know. Yep. Um, but to to your take though, I noticed this when I was watching it. How you said that the world was kind of divided on him. That. Watching it now, that's not what I got. I got watching it now that most of the world loves Superman. And it was just a few asshole loud haters that were like getting in his head, which is kind of like maybe it's just like 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 but you know how like like Twitter culture and everything now that like people like would like like fight with everyone and like people like very antagonistic or whatever. But I, I just got this sense that. Superman was letting the haters get into his head a little too much because it seemed like the average person that he was interacting with was like, "Thanks, Superman." <laughs> like you know, like I, I don't know. And and I liked how one of the talking heads in, in the um, in the movie he said something like, "We're trying to either make him 
like a god or a savior but he's like what if he's like none of that he's just a guy trying to do the right thing and i'm like that's exactly what superman is like the guy hit mm -hmm. the nail on the head he's just he's just a dude trying to do the best he can with what he's got you know like yeah and i think that that his, his um it not so much self-doubt but his like the like i'm looking for the right word here but his his uh frustration with everything i think was stemmed from that was that like some people are calling me like a god and some people are calling me like like a devil and some people are like saying i'm all this stuff but like i'm just trying to do the right thing and i don't know how like i'm I don't know how to do this any better than what I'm doing, you know, and I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, you know, so right. that, I feel like that rang really true and was actually very relatable and metaphorical, I think, even more so today, you know? That, exactly, and, well, so, you know, as I mean, I think there might be something to, you know, your argument that, yeah, maybe, I don't know, like, the general populace, like, yeah, maybe they weren't quite as split. I mean, I don't know. Cause like you had protesters at, at the Capitol when he went to, to testify, true, yeah. but like, again, is that representative of every, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know. I don't, it's hard to say exactly what the intent was in the movie. Like I, I definitely took it that people generally were kind of split, but I get what you're saying. And, and it might very well be that it was just like this, as we see in the real world, like it's like the vocal minority, you know, and it, and it got into his head, but this larger point about, uh, you know, cancel culture and, you know, everything like that. Like, you know, especially when the talking heads in the movie are, um, you know, addressing that incident uh, at the start of the movie when all those uh, those warlords were, you know, were killed. And of course, we know it was set up by Lex, but, you know, we have a witness who's claiming that, you know, it, it might have been Superman and people are believing it. And it's like, how could people believe that? How could people spread these lies? Uh, you know, I mean, we live in a world now where, like, it's not always easy to get at the truth of of what's happening. So that, I, I feel like these movies have actually aged well. And I think, you know what, mm -hmm. I'm going to go so far as to say I think these movies were a little bit ahead of their time. I think they would resonate a little bit more if they came out now. Because, I mean, we're talking now, what, seven years, right, since Man of Steel or something like that still was 2013 yeah, yeah right yeah. and then at least uh because then batman v superman was what 2015 or 16, 16. Yeah. you know so it's been yeah. a few years i really think that um well, like especially in batman v superman uh the reaction and everything i, I think uh it would resonate a little bit more now yeah 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 for sure i i, I was actually surprised with how like more like relatable i felt like a lot of it was you know um yeah yeah. What, what did you think about, this kind of ties into all that, but like, what did you think about Lex? Okay. The Lex part of all of this? Because like, I feel like that kind of dovetails, what we were just talking about dovetails into like the Lex kind of, yes. his portrayal and, and his motivations and all that. So, uh, the last, oh yeah, all right. Oh, there's so much to talk about. <laughs> okay, no, 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 I want to. Before you forget, no, 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 do, do no I, I got it in my head, I'll come back, it's all right. Um, no, 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 Lex, Lex is a big topic. Let's, all right, all right. What you're going to say first. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, like, as far as Clark doubting himself, the scene on the balcony in, in D.C. when, you know, Lois tries to talk to him and she points to the S and says, like, you know, this means hope. And he says, like, it did on my world, but my world is dead. Yeah. And he flies away like it, it, it breaks your heart. But then you get that great payoff at the end when he sacrifices himself. And before he does, <clears> he <throat> says, this is my world. You are my world. I love that bit. And, <clears throat> you know, we only get one scene of, of Pa Kent and Batman v Superman, and it's this their vision or memory, I guess more vision, uh, that, that Clark has of him. And I think my perspective on that has shifted a little bit too, where I think when I initially saw that scene, I just kind of took it as Pa saying like, 
you're screwed no matter what you do, kid. And <laughs> I think the heart of that kind of is still true, but but this larger idea of like, you know, you know, we we, we diverted the the water and we saved the farm and like, you know, they called me a hero, but the Lang farm, like their their horses drowned, right? So like someone was calling me a hero, but then someone else. But so like I feel like that uh I don't know, I th- I feel like that really drove home a lot of, you know, what what Clark's internal struggle was. Uh, in this movie in terms of how everyone was seeing him and how sometimes you can do like your actions can be true. You can have the best of intentions, but you can be seen in different ways. Yeah. I took the first time I saw that, I remember scratching my head being like, huh? Like not understanding at all what he was saying. But I think looking at it a second time, to me, it felt more like you're not going to please everyone, but you should not try because of that. Like knowing that you're not going to please everyone doesn't mean that you shouldn't still not try to do the right thing. Right. You know, um, so I, I don't know, maybe that's me reading too much into it, but that, no, that, that was the takeaway I got from it. No, I think that's that's probably, you know, spot on. Um, you know, I love that scene with them. And uh, just one other thing with the extended cut, uh, I, I it really it kills me that they cut this from the movie, but there's this whole sequence after the bomb goes off uh, at the at the hearing where in the extended cut, you see Superman saving people. Like, you know, yeah. and, and then he eventually yeah. flies away. But but I it, it really bugs me that they cut that because I think that was a little missing in the in well, the theatrical cause, cut. Because in the theatrical cut, I think it was just him like standing in the fire like. I know. Like, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it like cut to something else. So yeah, I, I, I do remember that in the theatrical cut being like kind of like, be like, what? Like Superman just kind of like chilling there, but. I know. No, yeah, that was, that was definitely good for tap to have him in there. And then the cop, he, he flies away because the, the EMT guy is like, get out of my way. I got this. You're just making more trouble. Like, did you notice that? Yeah. that that's the whole reason he leaves is because, yeah. 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 I love how when he enters the, 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 the here, the courtroom, not courtroom, but you know, uh, how gently he, uh, he opens the little gate and closes it. It's like this being of infinite power and he's so gentle with, you know, with that. Um, but yeah. And, and that's the thing, like when the bomb goes off, it's like, you see the, the, the pain on his face. It's like, he realizes in that moment, you know, and, uh, I visually, I like the way that was depicted where he's just perfect. You know, he's fine. Right. Standing in the midst of, you know, uh, of all that destruction, but all right, Lex, this is another instance. I feel like this is a whole theme in this episode where again, my perspective has changed as you and I have discussed many times, right? Like the Smallville versions of, of these characters are like seared into our brains. And in most instances, like that's kind of the standard that we, we, you know, measure anyone against. And so really, you know, for me, like Michael Rosenbaum is my favorite Lex. I love what he brought to the character. I thought he had the perfect balance of like charm, but also the ability to menace as well. I loved everything that he did going into Batman V Superman. In my first couple of watches, I was kind of cold on, Eisenberg, both the actor as well as the choices that he made in the movie. But again, I think with the passage of time, I think, I think I actually, not, I think I know I like this version of Lex. And I think for a movie set in this time period, I think that's the right take on Lex. If Lex were real now, who would it be? It would be like a Zuckerberg. Yeah. Like I, I definitely like the new, the new take on Lex. Like I, Laura reminded me when we were watching, she's like, you hated it the first time you saw it. And like, Again, that is one of those things that the more I watch it, the more I like it. And I like his, like, and I actually liked his per- portrayal, too, in the sense that he was quick talking. Like, he, he almost had, like a, like, a nervous kind of tick going on. Uh-huh. And he, he had that, um, like, 
that cool guy startup kind of thing going with this basketball court in his like in his <laughs> office and everything. So like I, I thought it was a very modern take. It, it wasn't the one we're used to, which to me my default like you're right is still Michael Rosenbaum because he's he's cunning and smart and menacing like all that. But as a different take, as a I, I thought this was like cool. Like I thought it was a cool take on the character, and it it made sense for today's like you know for the for the audience of today because he. We, I don't think the Lex of today would be the John Byrne version. It would be someone more like this, you know, it would be like a younger, cooler, quote unquote, edgier, hipper kind of character, you know? So I think that it was, it was good. And I, and I liked it. I liked the, the all the personality that he brought to it as well. A hundred percent. And you know what I also really appreciated was it didn't fall into that same trope of Lex hating Superman just because he, uh, you know, Lex feels that, you know, he's reached the pinnacle of achievement and then this other guy comes along or that he's stealing the spotlight from Lex or, or anything like that. I felt like it was much deeper and philosophical and ideological where, you know, that rooftop scene where he, you know, tells Superman he's kidnapped Martha and, you know, he, he's, you know, setting Superman on a course to fight Batman. And, you know, we see that so much of this stems from the abuse that he suffered at the hands of his father. And the realization as a child, as he was being, you know, beaten or, or who knows what, that, you know, if if uh, if God is is all powerful, then he can't be all good. And if God is, you know, all good, then he can't be all powerful. And so I guess seeing people, at least some people, look at Superman as this all good, all powerful being was so antithetical to Lex that he had to take him down. Mm-hmm. I love that. I really, really like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, and then also, didn't they? Was there something they alluded to that like his dad was a kid in like Nazi Germany or something, and that there was the idea that was it wasn't there that earlier? Like he said, he said something that his dad had to like throw flowers and parades for fascists, and he said, "Oh, yeah, yeah," and he wants to prevent like the kids of America having to do the same thing because he he thinks Superman might become this like like fascist like ruler I, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was in there right like i think not, so not, yeah. yeah 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 but no but yeah it, it it wasn't the the typical lex thing about like i'm jealous and i wish i was superman kind of thing it was it was a little deeper for sure and then i i again i don't think a lot of people got that in, in watching yeah. it like you know, some, it's definitely something you have to pick up on because he speaks so fast and the delivery is so like like um nervous ticky almost that you don't you don't notice the details of what he's saying but yeah there's it, it was definitely a deeper portrayal i think that most people give it credit for yeah no i've really come around on his version of lex like i uh you know like i keep saying would it be my like you know desert island like the only version of lex that i, I could ever watch or, or read it's like no but uh i really think it worked for you know for this take i thought it was it was cool um and then you know i know we've been talking about you know, Batman, and you'd mentioned this before, like how he is obviously more violent and there are deaths as a result of, you know, his actions in the movie. But, you know, there too, it's like, uh, that made sense to me. It's like we're, you know, the movie purposely gave us a, a Bruce at a very different point in his journey, you know, than we typically see. And this is his whole arc, right? Like, you know, he's so inspired by Superman and Superman's selfless sacrifice that he, you know, comes around and then ultimately recruits the Justice League. So, uh, you know, you got to give him somewhere to go. So I like where they started him, where he's, you know, cr- as they say, cruel and, uh, 
you know, really hateful towards Superman and, you know, really kind of has that, you know, that progression when he, especially when he sees Superman's sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Totally agreed. Yeah. yeah, And also Batman killing in the movies is like nothing new. I think every Batman's killed in the movies. Like that's true. So yeah, yeah, it's maybe not the Nolans because that was such a, crux of those movies but he just lets Roz so, die in the first one he's like i don't yeah, have to save no, you but you know yeah 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 but it's not yeah, not but he didn't yeah. kill him he just didn't save him yeah <laughs> yeah but 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 the Ke- keaton killed people left and right in, the, in those movies so you know there's that <laughs> yeah um but yeah again i i don't know if that was so much a choice of Zack snyder being batman's gonna kill people it's gonna be hardcore i think it was just more like let's have a great visually stimulating Batmobile chase. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I can, I can separate that. You know what I mean? It, it is what it is. You know, it, it, it looks great. The car. We can has been muted again. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, Ken, you're still muted. I think uh, I don't know if there's an option there on your on your screen. If you touch the screen, maybe see if uh, you get some stuff that comes up. Okay. Let's see. Uh, we'll take a quick pause and we'll uh, we'll try to get this sorted. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. All right, we're back. Okay, sorry about that. I got the phone call again. That's quite all right. It's weird when a phone call when a phone call comes in. It's it's um it cuts our microphone. And there's no like button. I have to x out of everything. All right. Well, this is a new platform that we're using, so we're uh, we're working out the kinks. And again, we appreciate everyone uh, bearing with us as we've been talking for uh, about an hour and forty minutes. So this has been uh, quite quite the deep dive. Uh, but, but, you know, you're talking about, uh, yeah, the, the violence with Batman and I, I share your view. I think that it, uh, you know, and again, sort of going along with this like more realistic take, it's like, yeah, he wants to, I'm sure Snyder wants to provide like a visually thrilling, uh, you know, Batmobile chase and all of that. But it's like, yeah, in the, in the course of something like that, you probably would have that sort of, uh, you know, of damage. Um, and especially if it's a Batman mm-hmm. who's, you know, uh, again, uh, not quite as concerned with, uh, you know, with that sort of uh, a fallout. You know, I think that's kind of what you get. Does, does, he doesn't really care anymore. He's a little jaded. He's like, ah, this is what it is, the kind of thing. Or that's that's the kind of Batman that he is at this point. So yeah, I know you wanted yeah, to, to talk about the yeah. the Justice Leaguers that we get that are te- I mean, obviously, yeah. Wonder Woman plays like a fairly significant role, especially in the final battle. But we also get teases of the other Justice Leaguers. 
Well, first of all, Wonder Woman was awesome. Gal Gadot was perfect as Wonder Woman. Yep. Um, she she kicked so much ass in this movie. Like you, know, it was. I remembered why everyone got so amped about her movie watching this because it was like, yeah, she was. She just showed up and stole the end of the movie totally. Um, but yeah, the Flash I want to talk about. I totally forgot that in this movie he had like a ponytail and like a leather jacket. Do you remember that? Like, yeah, yeah. It was a, such a visually different look. And now looking back, I wish they kept that for the Justice League. I wish they they kept Snyder's like like punk flash as opposed to like the like I guess they were trying to make him more comic booky accurate in the movie, but like I don't know, I kinda of wish this one was Snyder's original take on him and like because I don't know, that, looking back, like that would have been a much different take. Um I think what else? And then uh oh oh and then the scene when he shows up. With the nightmare sequence, yeah. What's your take on that? Because I, I have an idea about that. I want to know what your take is before I drop my my bomb about what I think it is. <laughs> I mean, so like Snyder has he's talked a lot, or a fairly decent amount about what his original plans for Justice League were. Uh, some of them he didn't even get to film because the studio got like real gun shy after the response to Batman v Superman, and he had to change certain elements from the script. Um, but I believe like the original, original plan was that in Justice League or one of the Justice League movies, Darkseid kills Lois and distraught over her death, Superman succumbs to the anti-life equation. And that's where we end up with the Superman that we see in that nightmare sequence. And then it's up to Flash to go back in time to prevent all of this from happening. That's, I believe, what the original plan was. Okay, because that's totally what I thought. I thought it was Superman taken over by the anti-life. But the... The idea that Bruce saw that, though, in my head, what I interpreted that as now was that, and knowing what you just said would actually line up with this theory, is that that's a reality that actually happened, that Barry Allen going back in time is setting the timeline. Because he went back in time, he reshifted the timeline, and so Bruce's mind is basically trying to reset. Like, remember in Flashpoint, like, yeah. his memories have Flash memories, like, he'd have memory flashes of like things from the other timeline that happened, but now didn't happen. Like his brain was like resetting. So that's what watching it now. Like what if that would have tied in? Like that was something that Bruce actually experienced, but now because he went back in time and changed it, it's a, it's a, it's a, a remnant of a memory that like is being jogged in his head. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, that's a cool I theory. I like so that. No, I dig that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, and as far as the, like the nightmare sequence and then like the video footage of the other Justice Leaguers, like at the time, I, even I was kind of critical of that. I looked at it as a way of like short circuiting the world building process. Like they were trying to get to Justice League so fast, but I don't know. I think it works. I, you know, I, uh, I, I don't really have like such a, such an issue, uh, with that. And, uh, unfortunately now I seem to have, uh, <laughs> my, my camera seems to have gone out. So, and then it's back. Okay. Oh, yeah. There we go. Boy, this is such a learning experience as we're <laughs> as we're doing this. Um, but yeah, Sorry, I kind of I kind of dug the the teases of the of the Justice League because I thought they worked well enough. Yeah, the teases were cool. I thought it, it was a little weird. Their logos were on the computer flash drive. Yes. That, like, yeah, like like design. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, like, like the Flash logo and the Aquaman A and everything. I thought that was a little funny, but. Um, but the teases were cool, like seeing Aquaman, little tease, seeing Cyborg. I thought it was interesting that Cyborg's tease was like essentially his origin. Did, yeah. you, did you get that? Like, yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of kind of crazy that they did that. Um, 
But yeah, no, I thought it was cool that they did that and threw it all in there. Yeah. And then, you know, it all culminates in the, the fight with Doomsday. And we, you know, we went so far in this movie, like we got to the death of Superman, which I remember at the time I was like, I can't believe like they like, you know, again, it was a lot of movie and they went really far. But I think, uh, you know, I don't think it was an accident that, uh, you know, he was born in Man of Steel. He dies in Batman v Superman and then he's resurrected in Justice League. It's like it really, you know, completes that uh, the, the, the Christian arc, uh, you know, as Superman well, is so often compared to. That's very true. Um, as someone who's got a very, very tight connection to the death of Superman, like you do, yeah. What What did you think of their interpretation of the whole, basically the whole story and, and Doomsday and everything? Like at the time, I really kind of felt like it was. I don't want to say tacked on, but it it felt like a bridge too far for me. You know, it's like I get that once Batman and Superman are able to work it out, like I get why they maybe they felt even just in terms of. I mean, I think there was a story reason, but I think even just in terms of spectacle, like the Batman Superman fight, as cool as it was and as brutal, I mean, it really was brutal. Like, it was very violent. But as as um, as much of a spectacle as that was, I get why they felt like there needed to then be something else. I guess I just always mm-hmm. felt like Doomsday was just like, again, it was just like an awful lot. Um, but again, I like especially now watching it, I think it like really all ties together and really, you know, completes this portion of Clark's journey. Like he had to reveal himself to the world. He had to wrestle with his role in the world and how people saw him. And ultimately, just like in the first movie, he placed his faith in people, right? And stepped forward and he took the chance that, you know, that that faith would be rewarded essentially. Uh, and, you know, in this movie, as much as he's doubted, like he still makes that ultimate sacrifice for his world. Um, so like, like I said, it's a lot, uh, but I've kind of come around on it. Um, and it's, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, like as far as the, uh, let me ask, let me turn this around and ask you, as far as the visual aspect of Doomsday, uh, were you satisfied by it or did you find it was a bit lacking? Because I wish they had gone like full, like full on yeah. just comics accurate Doomsday. I agree. And it was, it actually was surprising because Zack Snyder is usually so visually on the mark with stuff that it felt weird that Doomsday didn't look like, I wish he had the, the chin bones and the mouth bones and, and the ponytail and the, the shoulder bones. Like there are elements of Doomsday that are so like iconic to like this, just the silhouette of like what he looks like that. I wish that they did that. Um, but yeah, like visually I thought it was a little lacking, which is surprising because of all these movies, I guess the only thing I think is visually lacking in these movies, you know? Um, but yeah. Um, knowing like what you're saying about he's born, dies, and is resurrected. Getting those three beats in the three movies, it had to have been Doomsday. Like if it was Lex who killed him, like that would have been so like no. There's a villain who's his whole claim to fame is that he killed Superman. So I get why they put him in. But yeah, I, I just wish he looked more like Doomsday. You know? Yeah. Just just a little bit more. But and it it was General Zod's body, right? That became Doomsday. That like I, I read, I got that right. right? Yeah. That, it was like they, they mutated Zod's body. Uh, yeah, which so I don't know if I got take. that. I don't know if I got that the first time I watched it, but it, yeah, it is clear. Like Lex goes into that chamber or whatever, and the mixture of his mm-hmm. blood with Zod's body like mutates it uh, and, yeah. and creates that. So, I mean, look, as a fan, like you said, as someone with a close tie to Death of Superman, like, yeah, it was cool to see that brought to life. I do wish the look had been closer to the to the comics, but I wasn't like so put off by it. Mostly at the time, I was just, as much as they showed us Doomsday in the trailer, 
and maybe this was naive, but I was like, I don't think they'll go so far as, as doing the death. And I was just like, wow, like, I really can't believe they went that far. But uh, again, I think it really did bring home like this portion of his journey. And uh, I was very moved just as I was moved in the first movie with, uh, you know, Jor-El and Lara sending him off, uh, you know, before Krypton exploded. I was similarly moved here when he made that sacrifice uh, and Lois's reaction and, you know, Martha giving Lois the ring and the dual funerals, you know, the way the world mourns their fallen soldier versus the way people who knew Clark say goodbye to him. Uh, you know, that was all, uh, I, I really did. Uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Do you think that, I agree. I agree with everything that you just said. And you, one of the things you just said got me thinking that they did show Doomsday and Wonder Woman in the trailers a lot toward the end. Yeah. Do you think the movie would have been better received had they not shown either of them in the trailers? Like yeah. if Wonder Woman and Doomsday were a complete surprise, like if you thought going into the movie at the climax was going to be Batman fighting Superman, do you think that the actual movie would have been better received? Maybe. I do think they gave away too much. Like I really do. Yeah. Think, especially like the Wonder Woman aspect. Cause like, like that helps sell the movie. So like from a marketing perspective, it's like, all right, like I get why you would want to highlight this, but Doomsday, I really feel like they could have kept that a secret and they should have. Cause that's real. Yeah. Deep. It happens so late into the movie. Cause you watch yeah. like, like the last trailer, it gives you the whole movie. I mean, like it gives yeah. you the whole arc of the movie. So uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought that was the too last much. Trailer, yeah. They even, I think the last trailer showed the whole Batman warehouse scene almost too. Like yeah. where you place those guys. So yeah, that, that was, I, I actually, I get what you're saying about them having to show Wonder Woman to sell it because I think it did sell it in a big way, but I think just Batman fighting Superman could have been enough to sell the movie. And then having people like, having the word of mouth be like, holy crap, Wonder Woman was in it. Like get, getting like the, the buzz from it, I think might've in the long run generated more than just slapping across that last trailer to like, you know, because it felt very. Because I remember in the trailer, it, it it was basically like they just showed that scene where she like drops down, and the three of them are standing there, just to end it on that, like with no explanation. So it was like, I think if they saved it, I think it would have done better. I do, I really do. You're, you know what? I don't think you know. Actually, there might be something to that, especially for the word of mouth. Like if people came out of that being like, Wonder Woman was in that movie and she was awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, there 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 might have been something to that. Um, as we're, so we've been talking for almost two hours. I think we should probably <laughs> we should, oh, wow. yeah. we should probably wrap this up. But uh, what, what other any other uh, parting thoughts? Any is there anything of these two movies that we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? Because I you know uh, I'm trying to think. I know we jumped we, we around a lot, around. and it was yeah, and it was yeah. so much fun. I mean, I had a I hope you had fun. I had a great time. Um, but oh yeah, I did too. I did too. I mean, I dude, I after watching these movies, it was weird because because I knew they were long. So this, this is going to sound like I'm doing like a dig on them, but it'll come around like. Like, because I was so busy the last two weeks, it was hard to find the time to do, to watch them again. And, like, I was almost, at one point, I started watching Man of Steel while I was working, while I was drawing. And I watched about maybe 10 minutes. I'm like, I can't do this. I just want to watch this. Because, like, I remember, because I was almost not dreading watching them again. It's not the right word. But, like, I, because in my head, like, I felt like I knew them so well that, like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to, like, they're long. I'm going to sit through them again. But at, when I actually sitting down and watching them again, it made me like them so much more than like what I had thought before. And I was so happy that I actually watched them. Like when I just have them on the background, like I actually sat down and watched both of them because they man of steel, especially dude, there's so much heart in that movie that I think people don't either, either just don't remember or they just didn't get the first time. If they only saw it one time where people told them it was bad and they never actually watched it. Like these movies are 
much better, I think, than than the like the general fandom wants to say they are. Like, I think they're kind of a punching bag a little bit when they really shouldn't be, because I do think they're a very distinctive artistic vision from Zack Snyder, and it, it's just so apparent to me watching them again that. And I think I was telling Laura one of the things I was telling Laura about this was that why I think maybe they did not resonate so much with people, like not not resonate, but they were divisive, is that they were such an artistic take, right? Like such a unique, from such a unique perspective that I think these superhero movies were almost conditioned for them to be these like four quadrant pleaser movies. And so going into it, your expectation, like what you're expecting and what you get is so like different that it kind of like jogs your system a little bit, you know? And I think that might be why there was such like a kind of like a, like, blow like people just kind of reeling back from them when they first saw them but if you go into it the idea that this was a unique vision and a unique take and just like a different look at the characters i think you'll like them a lot more i i couldn't have said it better i mean i i agree with uh with all of that and I really think there's a lot to that you know people again you see a lot of because i actually i looked up the reviews for i think man of steel uh, on rotten tomatoes uh after i rewatched it and there were a lot saying like it, you know, it doesn't have like a lot of charm and, and I can't help but think like they're comparing it to the Donner movies or they're comparing it to the Marvel movies. And it's like, again, mm -hmm. I think those are all perfectly valid takes. It's like, look, I enjoy the Marvel movies. They're a lot of fun. Half of them are comedies, really. They're action comedies. And that's great. Yeah. Like, I, I love that we can have a Thor Ragnarok. Wonderful. But that doesn't mean every movie has to be that. You know? Mm -hmm. And so Snyder, like you said, he had a very distinct vision. And that's why, you know, even as we anticipate a release date uh for the for the snyder cut of justice league it's like you know even if it's not your cup of tea like that's fine but i hope people you know respect the fact that like as an artist like he now has the ability to bring his vision to life like you know you're an artist as someone like i make the documentaries and the podcast it's like if i made a movie and like someone came along and like reshot more than half of it you know, and completely butchered yeah. what I intended for it. It's like, even if what I intended was worse, you know, by, by whatever standard, it's like, it's my, like, I would still at least want to be able to fulfill that vision. Uh, and mm -hmm. so, you know, again, if people don't like it, that's fine. But uh, I very much, and I think that's why too, even though, and we look, we shared some of our gripes and nitpicks with these movies. We're not saying they're perfect, but I yeah. think I'm, I'm able to be forgiving of certain things. Like, yeah, that tornado scene, some aspects of it don't totally sit right with me, but I get what they were going for. And I get that it wasn't, and I want, I'm glad I, I want, I want to bring this up. Like with Snyder, especially, I truly get the sense that he's someone who cares about the characters, cares about the art, cares about the movies. And so, you know, even if there's something that doesn't quite land like perfectly for me, it's like, I know that it was well-intentioned and there was a reason for it, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, you can tell that this is not like a paycheck for him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this isn't like a guy just like banging out a movie like by formula to like just cash a check. Like, this is someone who like genuinely cares about what he's doing. And like, if you, if the take doesn't jive with you, it doesn't jive with you, that's fine. Like, I mean, I'm, we're not here to tell people that you should like these movies. But I'm, I, I, another thing that I think for me at least helps is that like, like, I know that when these movies are made, they're not the end all be all this is what the character is going to be forever you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. like this is a take that that is being done now and like we've seen in the past there's different versions of superman different batmans different spider-mans you know there's different interpretations of all these characters so i like i hope that people can go back and look at these and just look at them as that is like this was just an artistic take to me it's the difference between 
um, like a Dan Jurgens drawing Superman and Michael Turner drawing Superman and Ed McGinnis drawing Superman. You know what I mean? It's like they're all valid and they're all wildly different and they're all cool in their own way, you know? And that's kind of how I view these movies. Like, it's rare for me, any superhero movie, for me to be like, I hated this, you know? Just because, like, I can always find something in there that is, like, when, when they're done with, like, the artistic vision in mind, not the paycheck version that I was just saying, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the point, the point in time where these things hit and, like, you know, look, this character's been around for 80 years. He'll be around forever. And it's like, there might come a point where we have confirmation of life on other planets. And the whole, you know, the whole crux of his conflict in these movies, like, wouldn't really play anymore, right? Like, it wouldn't be a big deal to say, hey, I'm an alien. And then there's some other angle that they'll play. But I think for this point in time, uh, I really, really enjoyed what these movies did. And I concur with you totally about uh, the, the heart and the emotion that they have. And while it might be darker tone in certain respects, um, that hope is still there. And you see it in, in the actions and the sacrifice that the character makes, whether it's controversial though it might be, whether it's the sacrifice of killing the last connection to his home world or giving his own life to save his adopted world. It's really there. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's so much there. And, and, you know, I suspect if someone hates the movies, they probably didn't listen or watch this. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. but if for people who enjoyed it, hopefully they they had fun with our conversation. And you know what? There might be some people who are kind of like mixed on it, and maybe now they'll rewatch the movies. And I, I people have heard us as over the course of these two hours, right? Like, there's so much that we got out of our rewatches that we didn't necessarily get the first time around. So I mm -hmm. I do encourage other people to to give it another watch, both movies. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like, if if people don't like them. That's cool too. You know, it's like I, I, if you don't like them and you think they're still garbage and they're bastardizations of the characters, that's totally cool. That's like you totally have the right to think that. And like, we're, I don't feel like either of us are like saying you must like these movies. And we're just saying that we we get we get we jive on like what Zack Snyder is trying to say, and like we totally got it. You know, so um, you know, it's it's cool. I I do think his. Like, okay, I want to ask you this. At what age do you think you're going to show Milo, your son, these movies? Because they're very clearly, when I watch them again, they're not meant for kids. Like, they are meant, like, 15 plus. Like, like they're meant for adults, you know? Like, so what do you think, like, your your movie order to show your son Superman movies, like, what do you, what's, how do they fall? That's a, I was thinking about that. That's a great question because I really was thinking about that. And, you know, bat, the the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman is rated R. Like it's an R rated yeah, Superman yeah, movie. Yeah, that's what made me think of it because when, when I played, played it, I came up and I was like, "Whoa, this <laughs> is crazy!" Like, uh, so I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, before he's a teen, I doubt it. I, you know, I I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, we'll probably start with Smallville. I think we'll probably, we'll probably start. Well, we'll probably start with the animated <laughs> series. We'll do the animated series that from Bruce Timm. Okay. Then maybe we'll move into Smallville. And we'll do the Donner We're, movies maybe in conjunction with that. And then when he's a little okay. older, we'll do the Snyder ones. I think, I think okay. that's a, a, a fair progression. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to just skip over Superman Returns? Just nice. No, I think we'll, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll include that along yeah. with the, along with the Donner movies. No, the Donner ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. 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 So teenager. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, like, cause with Laura, when we are talking about when, when we have kids, like, when are we going to like, cause there's so much stuff that like, not just like Superman or the like video games and stuff that like, yeah, it'd, it'd be like fun to pass this along. But it's like some of the stuff is like, you definitely got to be of a certain age to like understand like 
any of the 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 stuff you know like the the action of the fighting or anything so i know yeah like I said, though, be prepared to weep during the uh, Jor-El and, uh, and, and Pa Kent scenes. It's very, it really just, it hits you in a different way. And you know what? And I don't, look, I'm confident in my masculinity. I'm happy to say that. And it's funny enough, well, a friend of mine from law school, uh, I guess maybe he saw me post that I was rewatching these movies, but he messaged me and he was like, he was like, yeah, I cry during like a lot of these scenes in Man of Steel. So like other people were having these types of reactions too. And for him too, like the father-son stuff, like really hit, hit home. Uh, so... Mm. You know, uh, it's something that, yeah, when, when, when Milo's old enough, if he, if he has the interest, you know, I would love to show him these movies and, and revisit them again. And who knows what I'll find, you know, new to enjoy about them then. Uh, nice. Listen, short of Zack Snyder himself, man, there's no one else that I would have wanted to have this conversation with because you and I have been talking about this for years and there's as much as like, you know, we initially bonded over Superman generally, but Smallville specifically, but like with these Snyder movies, you know, there are some folks out there who were like true disciples of Snyder who think he's like, you know, God's gift to cinema and they're like fully in. Um, then mm. you have like the army of detractors uh, and then, you know, uh, people maybe who fall somewhere in between. But like to find someone who enjoys the movies and can kind of speak the same language about them, uh, I, I always enjoy whenever we get to talk about it. And like it's so awesome to me that on both video and audio, we've captured a two hour conversation <laughs> about this. <laughs> uh it, it's it's so much fun yeah totally dude like i had so much fun talking about this and like again talking with you about all the superman stuff is fun but like it, to again i feel like we're kindred spirits when it comes to so much of our fandom like i think it's funny like there's so much that like we're really like, simpatico with with like the stuff that we like so yeah. Uh, so listen, thank you, Ken, so much uh, for being part of this episode. So uh, we've not heard the last from you on Digging for Kryptonite, not by a long shot. And actually, uh, today, the same day that uh, this episode that you've just listened to uh, is out, uh, Ken and I also have an episode of Digging Deeper, uh, the official uh, Patreon-exclusive companion podcast, where we talk about Justice League, uh, the theatrical version of Justice League. And it's a great episode. Actually, I don't know because we haven't recorded it yet, but I think I, if, it's any, if, if it's anything like this, it'll be great. So uh, if you want to hear uh, Ken and I talk about the theatrical Justice League, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. It's available, available at all levels, $1 and up. And then Ken's going to be back. You know, we don't have a release date yet for uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League, but once that's out... Uh, we're going to watch it and we're going to have you back on the show and we're going to talk about it. And I think we're going to have a, an awful lot to dissect when that happens. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm really, really excited to uh, to to see the differences between the theatrical and the, the new take, and just it'll be it'll be fun for sure. For sure. Well, Ken, thank you, thank you so much, uh, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, thank awesome you. Being on. Th awesome, uh, and thank you so much uh, to everyone for uh, listening or watching. This was actually our first video podcast, which is very exciting. Uh, but thank you for everyone who consumed this episode, however you consumed it. Uh, it's been such a blast uh, doing this podcast. I can't wait to keep doing more episodes. And until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Digging for Kryptonite is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Greg Schiegel, music by Basic Printer. If you like what you heard, be sure to listen to My Comic Shop History, available on most major podcast platforms. Sign up for exclusive additional content, including the Digging for Kryptonite companion podcast at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato, and watch my documentary film, My Comic Shop Country, out now on Apple TV and Amazon.